Listen to this podcast right now! Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey Into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophy, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophy. That sounds so awesome. The following, following. the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gotta do, Andre? History beckons the Macho Man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 said I just whipped your ass. Two words for you. Two words. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. I am your host, Nate. Today joining me, as always, King Co-Host. Welcome <laughs> back. Buckles, how's it going? What's going on, my dude? Not much, man. It's a busy uh, busy time in the world of wrestling. I feel like we've watched so much wrestling that we could pretty much do a weekly show. We just don't. Uh, I, I looked back at my notes, and I've watched close to probably 11 hours worth of wrestling since we recorded last Monday. And that's that's not even... Like counting the fact that I missed two hours of SmackDown last week. Yeah, man. It, well, I mean, you're not really missing SmackDown. Uh, but no, no, not at all. That's subjective, folks. Uh, you know, man, there's so much wrestling between regular AEW Dynamite, NXT, Raw, SmackDown. You've got AEW Dark, NWA Power, uh Impact if Wrestling like, is now a thing it, again. I don't, I Impact's going to really be starting up watched, live again here. Yeah, I digress. Or if you're a um, if you're a masochist like me, you're listening. You're watching fucking Beyond and New Japan and all this other shit too. <laughs> yes. Oh man. And um, it's crazy actually. I uh, one of my buddies to kind of flash back to the first part of last episode. One of my buddies came over and we were talking about wrestling and shit. And I was like, "You need to get into Orange Cassidy, bro." He's like. <laughs> I don't get that gimmick. I don't understand it. And I was like, it's just thirty percent, man. He's just uh, his whole gimmick is thirty percent. And he's like, but he doesn't even put his thumb up all the way when he does the thumbs up. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh my god. So <laughs> I had him watch the gentleman Jervis match, which is again one of my favorites. Definitely. And the of course the sleeper spot goes over and he's laughing his ass off. He thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> I'm like, see, this is why he's good. But then I put on the Jordan Grace Orange Cassidy match. Oh, very nice. And I don't know if you've seen that match, but it is a workhorse match between those two, and he picks up the pace. Grace is really, really damn good. I would not at all be surprised to see her on Wednesday nights here before too long, once she gets out of her impact contract. Oh, yeah, I mean... Let's just talk about contracts for a minute, man. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Did you hear about this uh, This interesting Randy Orton post? 
Oh, was it the one where he's just talking? Uh, he was kind of hinting at his contract being up. Well, exactly or, uh, what the post is is I'm his to remember, face yeah. in front of a sign. That's right. That says elite. That's right. Pretty open thing there. He then tagged the a lot of really TikTok, interesting names too. TikTok. Yeah, and he tagged a lot of really interesting names on that one as well. Elias. Like a, uh, uh, the uh, revival, revival. Thank you. I I almost called him the Dawsons. That's wrong show. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Cesaro one of them. I, I think Cesaro was one of them. There was there was a dude from NXT that was on there that really like kind of threw me a little bit. Uh, oh fuck, what's his name? He's like uh, he's done a couple different like he was with Tina Sabatelli for a little while. Fuck, what's his name? Um. Rick Moss. Yeah. Just this, like, super random one. But, dude, I, I'd love to see Orton go to AEW. Fuck it, man. I mean, let me just say that happening would be... What's the word I'm looking for? The game changer it's, of this modern yeah. war. Honestly, if he was to do that, that would be pretty much equivalent to Hall and Nash going to WCW. Exactly. So um, I pulled up. Uh, I pulled up that post of Randy's. By the way, uh, yeah. TikTok, TikTok. He tags Scott Dawson, Dash Wilder, Luke Harper. That's the other one. Riddick Moss. Then Cody, Jericho, <laughs> and Elias. Well, I, I could see him being. He was in a stable with Cody for a while. He was with Legacy. So, I mean, I could see them still being pretty good friends. Jericho's been around long enough that I could see them getting on pretty well. But out of all those, that Riddick Moss one just throws me. That's so random. So, a couple people responded to this tag. Jericho says, send in a tape and some pics and I'll see what I can do. Of course Jericho would fucking say that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and Luke Harper says, we get it. You're on a different floor than the rest of the boys. Oh. Yeah, that, that one's I'm kind of disappointed. That, that first kinda one disappointed got me. It wasn't a Kind of disappointed Harper's wasn't a, that, you know what that means thing. Yeah, but according to reports, Orton's contract is up next summer. I'd heard, I think it was rumored today, I want to say on Cage side, that um, his contract's up next summer, but... If he tries to leave, there's talk that WWE will try to like tack on time for like time that he's taken off in the past. They're not letting anybody go if they don't have to at this point. Yeah, but with somebody like Orton who has the clout he has, like honestly, bro, he can walk away with fuck you money and he it, it's not gonna hurt him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like he'll sit he'll he'll he would rather ride the bench knowing he's gonna have the most over moment in AEW history. Definitely. Coming out, say it, uh, full gear two or some shit. I I don't. I'm just riffing here, obviously. Right. You, something to that nature. Okay. He 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 comes out in a crazy moment. Fucking hits his RKO on anyone. Doesn't even matter. He hits the RKO on everyone. Right. You know, it would be huge, and he'll sit the pine. He doesn't care. He's like, whatever. Bench me, motherfuckers. It's only gonna you know, hurt I... you because I'm not on your product, and it's only gonna bolster my brand when I go elsewhere. Very true. So you know, I just had a, really I just had a, a little bit of a brainwave. Just had a little bit of a brainwave here of, uh, okay, let's fantasy book Orton onto AEW at some point. 
Sure. You know who was on AEW this, this past Wednesday? Last night. That, or, yeah, it was last night. That I would love in a dream match with Randy Orton. There's a lot it's of names. Me, who, it's who me. It's me. It's DD fucking P. Oh, oh. I would. I don't know. I my, I never realized just how much I wanted a diamond cutter versus RKO match, but I fucking want one now. Battle of the Cutter. Yes. Will Osprey shows up. You're like, what the fuck? You know, funny aside about that. I love Osprey. I love watching him work. I've never liked the Os Cutter as a finisher. It's not that great. I don't know why. Uh, I love that he's doing the Stormbreaker now because it's a hell of a lot cooler. It suits him more. But the Os Cutter, it seems like it should be cool. I like Jay Lethal doing that. But I just never really bought that as a cool finisher. I never really figured out why either. I don't know. I think it's just because yeah. he already is so light and floaty. It's, He's one of the smoothest wrestlers you'll see working today. Absolutely agree. He and Ricochet, so. which we've had that conversation, Ugh. obviously. Uh, yes. Fantasy booking Orton, though, I mean, man, he comes in, and I immediately see him and Kenny just having a feud. I can see that. I mean, gotta, it would be huge because Kenny's got this, like, I've had six-star matches, proof in the pudding, blah, 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 all day long, and all Orton has right. to say is, yeah, motherfucker, but I've got the titles. True. I have the titles. I'm closer to Ric Flair's title reign than or title runs than you are. And it's yeah. a fact. I mean, I, I it might not be the greatest fact considering he was a WWE boy, but the world's changing. He's still one of the biggest names in wrestling to this day. He's still a Hall of Famer. Absolutely agree. I can kind of see him coming out and just saying, uh, so, Kenny, I hear they call you a legend. And just kind of leaving it at that. I mean, Fucking. Kenny would make him shine in ways I don't know if we've ever seen Orton shine. And that's saying something because he's had some barn burner matches throughout his career. Right. And I'm even talking just matches like he versus Kofi Kingston on Raw. Fucking 2009 he, or some shit. He really does well against, and it's kind of the same thing with Lesnar, but he really shines with smaller, like, quicker guys. Exactly. He does such a good job of that real methodical pace bullying, you know, the real methodical, like, slow pace that when somebody picks it up against him, they look all the better for it. Dude, you couldn't have said it better, man. That's exactly... And and his methodicalness... An ability to be patient kind of shows his virtue as a long-withstanding member of the history of wrestling. So when right. he's taking his time and then eventually you'd go to do something stupid like, hey, guys, I'm going to do a headbutt off the top rope against Orton and hope that for some reason he doesn't pop up and hit me with the RKO. <laughs> oh, he's going to do it every time? Damn. I, like, uh, I'd be happy to see it just for the fact that I feel like there's not much left for him to do in WWE. Like, he is just kind of, even even when he's in a feud nowadays, he just kind of coasts a little bit. And I don't blame him, but when he's motivated, motivated Orton is one of the best of all time. Agreed. That's when you get the wedging killers. That's when you get the, the punt kicks and all that fun shit. So I can I can see him going to AEW and having that motivation to prove that he wasn't just a WWE guy and to have all this new relevance and new feuds and new shit that he hasn't done yet and just tearing it up. 
And I mean, you got to think there are more names inevitably coming over. Yes. So Orton being kind of the, I mean, he tags certain people, sure, but Orton being the name that's like, um, okay, if he goes, this is going to get a lot of people to really consider. Jericho's one thing, but he, because he's still kind of a part timer. I mean, not now, obviously, with AEW, but with what he was doing towards the end of his run in WWE, he was a part timer. He didn't have the real pulse of the locker room. He's not like Orton, who's in with the boys every week, in and out, every house show, in and out. Right. So, like I said again, I think Orton inevitably leaving is a tide change. And, um, yeah, man, I'm not sure uh, even where to go from here because Randy Orton just, like, popped into my head. It was like, oh, that's, that's worthy to just throw out there right out the gate. I do have a little bit of something where something to go to from that. Something you just reminded me of. Sure. Uh, when you commented that there's people coming into AEW that I haven't seen yet, and so many more names that are out there. Uh, one of the bigger announcements. It was kind of a big announcement, but didn't get a huge amount of airtime last weekend. I think it was uh, Sunday. I want to say. Um, I think I sent you a link to it. New Japan uh, f- officially formally announced the formation of New Japan America, New I Japan Pro Wrestling that. America, that they're going to have their, they already have their own dojo over in, I believe, San Francisco, but they are announcing a lot more shows. They're going to be touring in uh, the United States a lot more, even really some of our Midwest area, uh, which if I can go to a New Japan show, fucking kill me now, I'm there. Um, totally. But when I, when I saw that announcement, and the reason I bring it up is a lot of the responses I saw to it, a lot of the um, comments I'd seen, a lot of the uh, message boards and whatnot, a common thought was, well, who's there for them to take? Like, they're too, they're a year or two too late now that AEW's on the scene and WWE and AEW are having this, like, arms race. They've taken everybody that's worth taking. And I thought about that for a minute, and I'm going, you know what? They're really... There's really so many more people out there that are maybe not at the level of the guys in AEW are now, like not a Kenny Omega level, not a Young Bucks level, not a Lucha Brothers level maybe, but there are tons of people out that are going out of contract in Impact, that are in Ring of Honor, that have a little bit of experience with New Japan through Ring of Honor, Uh, and then the indie scene in the U.S. is so huge right now that there's a ton of people I could see New Japan taking a at least a shot at. And, and I mean you gotta think New Japan USA when they're doing these mid mid market runs in the Midwest, like you were saying, mm-hmm. they're gonna be scouting too. I'm sure they probably got people Absolutely. that are in line with promoters and hey, do you Absolutely. got a couple guys that you really think can work? You wanna throw them in a a, a possible squash match or something, just have some right possible exposure or you know a tag team versus a you know a local level right. tag or whatever but it, it like you nailed it when you said that the, right now there's such a boom of uh, independent wrestling it's crazy to me it really there is all these little defy wrestling beyond wrestling wrestle mm-hmm. wrestle circus hella right in your neighborhood black label pro yeah uh aaw isn't that a thing right around here uh yeah AAW, AIW, fucking there's uh, pro wrestling out of Hollywood. You have, uh, how fucking, 
Bizarro Lucha, Chikara. Chikara is one of even the bigger names. And that's there's tons, tons, and tons that you can find through that. Through England's got the, one of the biggest booms in pro wrestling right now with Progress. Even though Progress is slowly becoming a WWE affiliate, they were still at the forefront of a huge wrestling boom over there. Fucking WXW out of Germany. Uh, OTT out of Ireland. All have huge names coming out of them that are making their way to places like WWE and NXT UK and uh, uh, even into Impact for a while. That those are all places that could show up in New Japan. There's a lot of guys from Rev Pro that do stuff with New Japan right now. Absolutely. I have a question. Uh, sure. You said you brought up Impact, and I and I and it just you just dinged my brain to think about a question that I wanted to make sure to ask. What do you make of this uh, news? The Young Bucks are going to make an appearance on Impact Wrestling. I I would like to see it just because I know they have history, but I'm kind of surprised because I, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I didn't think they were very happy with their time at Impact. Well, now, I granted, think that I th- and I'm teed up so well, my friend. Thank you for that <laughs> home run. Because <clears throat> the reason I say that is, I feel like right now AEW has a different mentality than they even had week one. And what I mean by that that. is, is that because realization hit me that like Kylie Ray didn't sign with AEW. Somehow she slipped through the cracks and is with impact now. Well, she, uh, they offered her a contract and then let her out of it. If I remember correctly, like she actually was, she was on, I think one, like she was at all out. No, excuse me. She was at uh, Double or Nothing. Yeah, she was at Double or Nothing. They had her under contract for a little while, but I guess she was not happy with it or just like, changed her mind, and they let her out of it. So back to the thing with the Young Bucks and, and, and Kylie Ray being kind of like an example, I feel like the Young Bucks are the heralds of, like, look, New Japan, uh, not necessarily Ring of Honor. I think they're going to be a harder buy, but maybe. Right. Impact Wrestling for sure, AEW, all these, like, up-and-coming level, even NWA power at some level, if we can all work yeah. on some sort of level and agreement together how the old territories did and not backstab each other and use our you talents know? accordingly and sometimes send people to do certain little tiny feuds or whatever, it bolsters all of our brands. You're right. gives all of ourselves rubs. And then on top of all that, what is the enemy of my enemy, my friend? That's very true. And you know, honestly, I, I I would be remiss in saying and not saying this, but um, I've no I've I completely forgot they've already been helping out some of these smaller feds. Um, there's been a couple in Europe. I want to say it might be OTT. There's another one, uh, SW uh, Southwest Entertainment or something like that. I can't remember the what the acronym is. By God, there's enough for acronyms in wrestling to kill me. Too many, but. Um, one of, uh, I think it's Rev Pro's affiliates is having an anniversary show. I want to say this weekend, but, um, it is also their last show. Uh, Rev Pro's kind of absorbing them and they had NXT UK talent. Uh, I can't remember who they said it was, but there was NXT, it was El Liguero. Uh, they had El Liguero booked for that show cause he had done a lot with them and, uh, WWE pulled him out of it. And not the first time that WWE's done that. They pulled uh, NXT UK uh, contracted guys out of 
uh, British indie shows pretty regularly lately. Well, yeah, they're trying to keep their investments safe. Right. But uh, to make up for it, uh, AEW has sent over, I want to say it's Sean Spears and MJF that are going to work that show for him. Nice. See, and and that that extends the They've done that a couple times now. <clears throat> so you may very well be onto something there. So and I and I mean really, you look at it like that. And you, I mean, oh man, I actually have another another bit for you that's just talking about all these little indie promotions and and everything. But I really do think that they all can benefit from working together against the conglomerate that is WWE. You know, yeah. Because if I you agree. send your well-known fucking lucha bros who've already worked Impact in the past. Right to go do a fucking two night feud that takes up two hours of their time, but gets people's eyes on that product a little more, and then because the Lucha Bros are AEW guys and maybe they'd be at that point AEW champs, tag champs, um, then you get put in a position where it shines you up even more. You're shining yourself. It's self shining. That's true. We're self shining here. Yeah, you can't self-shine too much. You'll go blind. Um, oh, sorry, yes. I couldn't resist. Be couldn't careful resist. how much you shine. You'll go blind. Um, aren't they kind of already doing that right now? Uh, just over the weekend, Kenny Omega won the uh, AAA uh, Mega Championship. Absolutely. Oh, well said. Won it off of another AEW contracted guy, but there you go. Yeah, and it's um, just pass it around, bolster the product. Well, I mean, they ran uh, the Triple A uh, Tag Team Championship matches at uh, uh, was it All Out, and then it would get it to Double or Nothing. Yeah. No, excuse me. It was a uh, yeah, backwards Double or Nothing, and then they had the ladder match at All Out. Correct. Those were for Triple A uh, championships. Nick took that ridiculous spot off the ladder through the first table because his legs caught yeah. the ropes. That was yeah. That was terrifying. That was terrifying. Yes. <laughs> Uh, um, Almost looked like you went head first through it. Yeah. So we're just this is like right now we're just covering like the 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 highlights of things that I can think of and that we can think of. But do you know about the Jim Cornette drama? Um, I hate saying this. Which one? <laughs> okay, so apparently there's some deathmatch wrestler. Okay. That has a feud with Jim Cornette. Okay. And it's because Jim Cornette said something about how he's not really a, a wrestler just because he sticks Fuck. nails in his fucking head or something. I have heard that, and I can't think of who it is. I can't either off the top of my head. Well, anyways, this guy got more heat from Cornette because after he hurt himself going through a bunch of light tubes, yep. he started GoFundMe to pay for his medical treatment. Okay. Fuck, why can't I think of this guy's name? I know exactly who you're talking about. It gets better. Um, we'll look it up. We'll look it up. We'll get yeah. There. So this guy creates GoFundMe. Jim Cornette's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're the dumbass that took the bump through the lights, mm-hmm. and now you're asking people to pay for your medical bills? Okay. So then right. this guy's like, fuck Jim Cornette, and made an actual fuck Jim Cornette shirt. Right. With Jim Cornette's face and deathmatch-styled stuff, his eyes are covered or whatever. Jim Cornette's lawyer went and bought the rights to that shirt, and now you can buy the fuck Jim Cornette shirt on Jim Cornette's website for $22. You know, say what you want about Corny, because 
he is a, just an acidic asshole at times. But half of his shit, you still think he might actually be working everybody. He's like, good. the guy knows the hustle better than anybody. Um, the other shit I heard, the reason I asked which one, uh, I only know a little bit about this, but he went, uh, kind of went in deep on uh, Riho from AEW. Really? I don't like, know about, about this, how, actually. Like, You're going to have to... I don't know a whole lot about it. All I know is that he tweeted out or uh, compared her to the old Asian woman from South Park. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God, it's, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, basically just called her out for how she looked or how she was not believable because of her size, which, I mean, I can kind of buy, but you don't need to be racist about it. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, Cornette just can't keep himself out of trouble, even when he's got good gigs going. And the person that his feud was, the death the deathmatch wrestler, was G. Raver. Okay. Okay, yeah, now I know why I remember that name. I actually, uh, I came across his name a little bit ago while doing uh, research on my uh, guys to look for today. Oh, look at that. All time a little together. teaser there. Um, and the sad thing is Cornette, as, as, as fucking caustic as he can be and as much of an asshole as he can be, at the same time, he's probably one of the best things about watching uh, NWA Power. Oh, Hearing I- him on commentary in that studio setting is just fucking gold. He is, of the legendary announcers, still the only one on top of their game. Right. I noticed, and you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not pissed at you per se, but damn it, you got my brain too focused on hearing all the fuck ups that Jr. and Tony Schiavone make now. Right. And you know, actually, I like Schiavone. I like Schiavone I too, r- but I'm just I notice more and more the little errors and things they say when mm-hmm. they flub up their line or their words or they mix up the names of the wrestlers or their finishers. Shivani's, or... Shivani's a lot better. I will say that of the two of them, Shivani actually is professional about what he does and still he gets flubbed up when he gets really excited whereas JR has the rambling grandpa syndrome. Just, Absolutely. Just kind of goes off on a tangent. Um, I like JR. I don't think he's a bad guy by any means. Um, I listened to a lot of his shit when he did uh, commentary for New Japan with uh, Josh Barnett. And he struggled with that because it was uh, basically overdubbed. Uh, he would watch the shows back and he wasn't watching them live. And they would do their commentary over a video. So he was always a little bit off kilter with that. And I could kind of buy that. Uh, his podcast, he's still really on it. What's the uh, name interviews, of Jim He's still really with it. Again? But, uh, it's like JR's barbecue or something like that. I know it's something barbecue reference because it's fucking JR. Oh yeah, JR's um, barbecue. I'm in yeah. um doesn't Jim Cornette have a podcast though? Oh yeah. Um uh, he does. I don't know the name of it though. I can't think like, of it. Like really his his podcast and his YouTube is what before he got back into commentary was really what was keeping him still afloat. Um he was kind of right up there with uh fucking Oh, God, why can't I think of his name? The jackass of late-era WCW, Vince Russo. Uh, the guy who was just pretty much keeping himself relevant through his podcast. I feel you. Uh, no, man, uh, I don't mind Cornette. I, I, yeah, uh, I digress. 
But um, we've been talking a lot about it, so let's just dive right in. Uh, where do you want to go as far as what has like? There's literally, and we're gonna keep doing this. Every episode's gonna be these longer episodes now because of how we're recording two parts. Right. Uh, but there's literally so much wrestling to cover. I feel like I could throw a dart at a dartboard. And anywhere I said, hey, we should start there, you'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, but do you have a preference of where we should start? I mean, the, the the tango is a very delicate dance. I do have to ask, just because you mentioned dartboard, I sent you the uh, a link to the clip for that dart spot from last week. Did you have a chance to watch it? Uh, yes, hashtag brutal. Uh, is that not the most... more queasy than I expected. It, I kind of, yeah, I may have curled up into a fetal position while watching that one. That was a little bit rough. Mm. So, with that in mind, did that take over for Darby's spot? Do you think that beat out the uh, the barrel spot? Honestly, yes. I kind of tend to agree. And uh, let me explain why. While Darby's barrel onto the steel stair, stair coffin drop, no one homedness. I don't know how you're going to word that, but that's the best I got for you. He missed. Landed on the fucking con- on the barrel and the steel right. steps onto his back. It's brutal, brutal spot. Darby Allen kind of has made his name doing the coffin drop though, so you got to believe he's found a way to do it safely enough. Right. That it looks I've way s- worse than it feels. To me, it was a bad spot, but I've seen him take worse spots. Correct. So that it's it's brutal at the time, but I've seen him do worse, so it didn't quite stick with me as much. That dart spot's going to be burned into my brain for a long time. <laughs> that one hurts. You can't fake that one. You can't yeah. not take those needles into the fucking back. Oh, Yeah. Can't, no, just and, no. And honestly, I don't know if I've got one to top it this week. I'm thinking back on the uh, the matches that I've seen. The only real, like, legit hardcore match that I think I've seen since then was the... Uh, uh, Janela uh, Omega Dark match. So fucking good. Yeah, but oh, hell of a match, and this will not be the last time I talk about it. But I, of those spots in there, I don't think there was a single one big spot that would have taken that. I mean, maybe cumulatively, but because the only thing I could think of in that match that I thought to myself like, "Ooh, that was pretty brutal," was the um, the table spot onto the underside of the table. Yes, I would say that. That was probably the spot of the night or spot of the match to me. But all the same, like I still don't think it tops anything that's that, like that dart spot. Again, you're you're tra- those guys, Kenny. I mean, he Kenny even took some pretty nasty ladder uh, spots when he got whipped into the corner mm-hmm. there. Um, but he, they're trained to take those bumps in a right. certain way, and you can't take a quote unquote bump with darts hitting you. You can't take a dart spot where you're not even looking at it. Exactly. Like completely blind from the it, back. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that one's still uh, that one's still holding the crown for this week. Yeah, I think that's the holy shit moment of, uh, and of course, we could get into the second half of this show, and something has totally broke yeah. out. Right. <laughs> Who knows um, what'll transpire after this past week of wrestling? Speaking of AEW Dark, there's something I meant I've been wanting to get your opinion on. Please. What are your thoughts on them having that show that it is just dark matches? Like, the idea of having AEW Dark. What are your thoughts on that? I love it. I think it's super brilliant, and I feel like it's very Henry Rollins of AEW. And what I mean by that is, if you ever listen to Henry Rollins talk, mm-hmm. he's the kind of person that his life 
is like when he goes out hunting. And what I mean by that is, if he kills a deer, he's going to use every piece of the deer. He's going to use the antlers for something. He's going to okay. use the hide for something. So, if you've got dark matches, these matches that people are seeing, the crowd's filtering in or they're staying after the main show. Right. De- depending on, like, with this past week's AEW Dark, the main event kept people in seats. Just saying. Um, but those moves to use every ounce of the bones and all the things you're that's and true it, and it also and let me let me double down it doesn't deny the fact that that's what it is mm-hmm. so it's not like wwe main event or 205 live that tries to mystify it by going this is a totally different show but holy shit somehow the guy in the front row right. is the same fucking guy from smackdown what right using and then we're just going to have the, just the mid-carters and the lower mid-carters and the, hey, oh, yeah, we actually got you out of catering, guys. Exactly. Right? And like, this is not the same. AEW Dark, right. you've got some big names that have been on there. And they put some big stake matches on Dark with implications into... Exactly. I mean, they Dar- made it a, Darby Allen is a, a great example of that. Mm-hmm. They've made it appointment television to watch something that WWE considers a throw-off. Exactly. Like, when you think of when I think of dark matches in general, like I think of okay, this is what they filmed after the main event of Raw, or the main event of SmackDown to send the crowd home happy, quote unquote. And it's usually just some fucking house show match that they're running back just to get, you know, the crowd out on a good note so the show can end on a bad note or something. It's going to be John Cena, The Undertaker, and Kurt Angle right. versus three heels you don't give a fuck about getting squashed right. in 47 seconds. Or it's the same uh, main event from every house show that we've run in the last three-week sp- uh, span. Like, they've run, literally, they've run a, a, a Rollins versus The Fiend cage match as a dark match the last two shows. Yeah, and it's getting annoying, dude. They have yeah. buried and ruined a cool feud. Well, I'm not going to go that far into it because they're bar- if, I don't consider them burying it if they're not showing it on TV. So I'm I'm giving them a little credit on that because okay. literally all they're doing is just rerunning the house show gimmick. That's all they're doing. Okay, but they don't treat it like it has any meaning. It's they're just goof matches. Whereas AEW has taken that concept of the dark match to get, send people home happy and they made it appointment television. You want to be in front of your TV or your computer on Tuesday nights to watch dark because there's a reason to shit. I got reminders set now on AEW's channel mm-hmm. and on NWA the fact. And, and again, they're not using the lower card guys. They're not using the fucking, Oh, here's Titus O'Neil and Heath's uh, Heath Slater in a match because that's what we know you want to see. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to see because that means I can go to the bathroom now. No, uh, time to go to the merch stand. God, but no, here we're gonna open AEW Dark with a segment, no less. Not even, not even just a match, but we're gonna have Cody talking to the Bucks and demanding or telling him people that he's booking a match between him and Janela as an unsanctioned match and watching their reaction to it. They're running an angle. They're running an ang- an actual angle, just for the Dark Show only that is furthering an angle on the TV show. And not only that, they're going to run that with one of the biggest name you've got, and really one of the other bigger names in Janela, in a fucking pay-per-view quality match that they didn't even put on network TV. And Seriously? then they essentially 
did put it on TV. They just took away the unsanctionedness of exactly. it. Exactly. It still was a fucking barn burner. Oh yeah. It's like the like I watched that match that that episode of Dark and going, this is unbelievable. Why is no one else doing this? WWE is leaving social media presence on the table by ignoring this shit for the main event shows that no one watches. It's it's just it's such a fr- I I know the 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 trend is to you know just worship at the altar of AEW because they're not WWE right now, but they're legitimately doing things differently and taking a more thought based approach to what they're doing and what they're presenting and it's hitting on all cylinders i need to mention something that happened i agree with you by the way that it does hit Mm -hmm. on all cylinders and um to your point of it is interesting because i feel like there is an interesting divide right now like i said i had my buddy over and tried to hype him on the orange cassidy and um we were talking a little bit about aew man and he was honestly not sold on it he's like it just reminds me of like WCW a bit and stuff, and I was like, you it should be watching and actually like pay attention to the quality of the match and the and their ability to to. I mean, he he said that he's like, let's see if they can write in six months if they can keep all this going and cohesive in six months or whatever. And I really think they have a good shot at that, considering they do. Be- you know, like that's a valid criticism. Like saying, hey, well, let's see where you're at in six months. That's valid. Yeah, but you know, like I've said the same to, myself. To, to the point, they have been writing for over mm-hmm. a year for themselves and being the elite, right? And they, I and mean, again, all these people are handpicked talent because what their ability to work without people having to right. tell them every fucking detail. It's called trust. And, and not only that, but they're all like-minded individuals that want to have creativity, that want freedom to actually express what they want to do, and are all actually committed to not just putting on their brand or, you know, soldiering on for the dream of being in WWE and going on to a WrestleMania, but actually being the best. And that's something that hasn't been done in quite a while. Honestly, to hear him say that it reminds him of WCW, guess what? It fucking well should. Exactly. But in the good ways. It it should remind you of the glory days of WCW when they were beating the living shit out of WWE on a weekly basis. Which is still happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not WCW. It's obviously AEW, but... Actually, uh, you know, we're segueing all over the place here. I got to segue into something else. Speaking of uh, the 83-week run of domination from WCW and all things WCW, uh, 83 Weeks is the podcast of one Eric Bischoff, who was in the WWE News this past week. Fired. Right. And uh, we're going to hear more about that coming up pretty soon because he's going to be doing his podcast live from uh, StarCast before full gear, if I'm not mistaken. Come here, Bishop. There's, there is a, there's going to be some stories coming out of there, i got to feel. Listen, Bishop. your run on SmackDown has not been very good. You're fired. So, i got to ask, do you think he was hired just to be the fall guy? Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, listen, make no bones about it. Sure, Fox bought SmackDown, and mm-hmm. they pump money into having Pyro and new sets. Their product is really still dog shit. 
and it's very unfortunate oh, that I have to choke very so down so. watching Raw. Very much so. And I mean, I don't even want to, I mean, like the draft, it's, okay, big whoop, and then you still have The Fiend technically showing up on Raw. What? Right. And, and then you have Paul Heyman, who's the advocate of SmackDown. What? And, and What? Like no, it's now. Granted, I will say a lot of the blend right now. They are going to be enforcing the brand split, but they have to have a little bit of blend now because they're hyping up for you know Blood Money pay per view number three. Yeah, we're week. not going to be covering that on this show, by the no, way. Just no, no, we will not be. Viewers, <laughs> we will not be. I I might watch the Tyson Fury match. I might watch Velasquez just to see how bad either of them are. Yeah, but yeah, I have no interest in watching any of those. I haven't yet. R.I.P. Jamal um, Khashoggi, just saying. God. Uh, um, you don't have a brain in your head. Anyways, yeah. uh, so I wanted to mention this and, and, and to just volley it back to Eric Bischoff. I do think he was probably the fall guy. Things aren't good there. They're not getting better. Paul Heyman's involvement, not getting better. It's just not right. getting better. And well, then like, all these little cheap shots that keep happening between WWE and AEW – Definitely. I mean, did you see Rollins straight up talk shit on Kenny Omega? Uh, yeah, and then, uh, well, he had uh, Rollins coming out and saying, you know, calling AEW the minor leagues, which in its own way is kind of in response to Kenny saying something about NXT. The guy, the kids on NXT would be the opening match for his main event match. Absolutely. And, like, taking his shots. I mean, there's. I'm not going to get it twisted. AEW has been guilty of taking as many shots as WWE has. Uh, Cody just gets off on it. I think he made he, a point it's of saying they do it so well, though. I, you know, yes and no. I think Cody in in particular, because out of everybody that has said anything regarding WWE, it's almost always Cody. Like even in the last uh, this last episode of Dynamite, where he said, "I didn't come from that other place where we couldn't. There's not a wall here. I could come right across here." It's like you really don't need to reference the fact that you came from WWE. We we get it, and I think Cody in particular kind of has a boner for the war thing more so than anybody else does. Well, yeah, because he was but, a kid when the Monday Night oh, yeah, Wars was happening definitely. and grew up in it. Definitely. So, but, I mean, like, it's he, like a taste of blood on his hands and how he was done dirty, and I think how he feels maybe Dust, Dusty was done a little bit dirty by WWE there towards the end I of could his see life. It. I could see it. I mean... Um, Rollins uh, taking shots is probably not where he needs to be because he doesn't seem to do it very well. <laughs> especially when he, he can get outmatched by JR. Oh, yeah. I sent you that this morning. He fucking got... Bodied by Jr. Scorched. Um, I I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but I know the line ended up. They asked him about. They asked Jr. If you haven't seen it yet, about his. Uh, it was for an interview for some some YouTube show. I want to say. Uh, got interviewed and asked about Rollins' ability and where he stands on being a top guy. And Jr. went in dry on him about you know not being the biggest draw and not being the the most consistent draw, and he says, you know, the guy's blessed, and, you know, I'm happy for him, but, you know, maybe it'll work out for him. Maybe one day he'll be as over as his girlfriend. And it's just, oh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Home run, Jr. 
Uh, he came, uh, he saw, he burned it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the direct quote that you had sent me earlier is, he's got a great spot, he's blessed, maybe someday he'll be as over as his girlfriend. I That's don't what know. it was, yes. And I mean, I've seen a couple of people take offense to it and saying, well, why is, you know, being over as his girlfriend taken as an insult? Isn't that kind of sexist? It's like, you know, no, because right now no one is as over as his girlfriend right now. So maybe, maybe not sexist. Correct. Uh, back to that AEW dark that had the Omega Janela lights mm-hmm. out unsanctioned. Uh, we had an interesting little setback in one of the AEW up and comers. Did you, uh, See slash hear um, what happened in the first match. I'm looking back from my notes here. Peter Avalon, uh, Kip Sabian, ma- Sunny Kiss, Triple Threat. Oh, uh, Sabian broke his finger, or dislocated his finger. Oh my God, he Mid-match. landed on the floor yeah. and his finger went the wrong way, and I yeah. literally almost puked in my mouth, dude. Props to him for finishing the match, though. Yeah, props for him continuously trying to force it back into place yeah. during the match. Yep. Having a, having dislocated a finger before, that sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Not a fan. No. Um, and, uh, honestly, though, I love a little bit of a old school shout out to uh, the original Sin Cara. Uh, do you remember the uh, the when he the original guy they had hired in that just botched constantly? Mm-hmm. Um, in a match with Alberto Del Rio. Goes and does a very similar dive to the outside, just on a suicide dive. I think he dislocates his finger <laughs> and calls, grabs the ref and calls for the match to end. Oh, like wants to end the match that. right there. And uh, Alberto, one of the few redeeming moments of his career, <laughs> says, "Fuck that bitch, get in the ring!" And he just beats the living he shit out of him for about yeah, a minute and a half. Yeah. And just puts him out, taps him out, and says, get the fuck out of the ring. <laughs> uh, oh, that's one of the few, uh, one of the very few Alberto Dorio positive moments in his career. Let's not talk about that asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, let's not talk about it. We also had the SCU SEMA team up versus Dark Order mm-hmm. with Angelico and Jack Evans was the second match mm-hmm. of that night. Also a good match. Uh, very good match. To touch on Daniels, is he really out? Is this a is this a line? I I don't think so. Um, the spot was gnarly as hell. Like his, his head, head did hit the make fucking contact. ramp and bounced. For yes, sure. it did. Uh, but they're saying it's just. I guess they're calling it a stinger, and he's out six to eight weeks. If if that's the case, I could buy it. And I I would like to think that I haven't seen it show up on the dirt sheets or anything like that to say that he actually is injured. So. Him being out for six to eight weeks is great time for them to run an angle for Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, which they're doing with the tournament. They're going to so win it those plays, tag titles. I don't know if they're going to win them or not, but it's going to be a damn good match. I honestly think the SCU, being they were the Bucks boys and being mm-hmm. the elite before, there was even an AEW. Okay, That's I true. Think they deserve it. And to top it off, while the Lucha Bros have had titles all over the world, okay, putting Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian with the belts, Christopher Daniels out of action. Christopher Daniels, who, if you've been watching Being the Elite at all, has had some alienation this year where he's felt left out of SCU or felt left out of the group. So they win the titles without him. 
it would be there's an amazing storyline betrayal for him to come there back. There is a bit of a heel turn seed, his yeah. Former team. That is true. The return of the fallen I mean, angel, Christopher Daniels. I would like to see that, definitely. He can he still absolutely go, so I could definitely see it. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think it's a legit injury. I think it's uh, just a good write-off for a storyline. I mean, I can't remember. How old is actually Daniels right now? Do you have any idea? I want to say he's like 45. He's getting a little up there in well, terms I mean, of pro wrestling. Right but but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he's gotten banged up somewhere and they're just giving him a little time off, writing him off and letting him do that. But uh, I don't think the injury itself came from that spot. He's only three years off. He's 49. Very nice. Six days ago, he actually posted on his Twitter. He said, injuries are the worst. They're like a tunnel where you don't know the length. You don't know where you'll see daylight again. Right. But I didn't come this far just to fade away, especially since I have unfinished business to attend to. Thanks for the well wishes, everyone. See you soon. (laughs) Very nice. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think it's more angle than it is injury. At least, at least that spot specifically. Definitely seems that way. Um, speaking of all things, if you want to go in that same night, we also had uh, NWA Power on the fifteenth. Um, and I think we actually may have talked a little bit about that with the uh, Trevor Murdoch. I think we discussed him last week. Yeah, we definitely uh, covered a yeah. little bit of episode two. It was really weird we did because cover that one already. like Trevor Murdoch is there. You got Colt there, so those are names I like. Right, um, right. Mister Kennedy, now Mister Anderson, of course. Yep, um, we did go over that one definitely. Is one of my favorites. What's up? What did you say? I said we did cover that definitely. I'm realizing I didn't make a good enough distinction of where my notes from last time ended and this time started. So <laughs> bleed through, man. It's it's difficult. Yep. It really is. But I love the presentation of NWA Power. Um, right. The whole clickbait episode two, episode three is the um, uh, Genesis is Tim Storm or the Twilight of Tim Storm. Twilight of Tim Storm. Him yes, more. and. Um, you know who I'm a really huge, becoming more and more increasingly a fan of, and I did not like him prior to seeing him in power. I've like every time I've ever watched anything about him, I was like, I don't really get this guy, but I'm starting to. Is if I were Mon- to guess, what's up? I would say either. If I were to guess, I would say Aaron Stevens or Eli Drake. It's Eli Drake, brother. Mm-hmm. I've always <laughs> been down with the Miz Dow or the Sandow, depending on how you slice it. Okay. Or don't look me in the eyes. Aaron Stevens, what the fuck? Right. He's such a weirdo, but I love it. And these guys, these names that are, you know, I mean, different legacy names through WWE's history that could have been huge dudes. I mean, Ken Anderson is a prime prime name. I mean, they gave him the money in the bank for him to get injured and not ever have it. He should have been a world champ. Um. I really love so you were, so, and I, so you weren't too I call big back a, to what you were saying too, earlier. I love how Jim Cornette uh, uh, commentates and his role on the show. It's it definitely helps contribute to the old school feel, and he excels at it. That's his like that is absolutely his element. I t- um, fully fully agree. He's got his finger on that pulse for sure. Billy Corrigan kind of behind the scenes running the show, getting right. good talent for NWA Power. Definitely. Uh, Nick Aldis is the man. Uh, I like kind of the story they're running with him. 
And I gotta I gotta backtrack just a little bit. So you weren't you're not you weren't too big on the uh, Eli Drake uh, prior to Power. I, I just never really bought into him. I guess I never was like, oh my god, this angle's got me sold on this guy. Like there was never that moment. And okay. I just the way he's talking on this show and his ability to cut promos and his interaction with this week with Tim Storm and kind of that right. whole thing was. Right was really like empowering and impactful, and I was like, "Damn, this kid can go! Like he's got some chops, and he definitely, definitely sounds like The Rock." I, uh, funny you should mention that he actually had some interactions with The Rock way back in the day. Really? Um, yeah, uh, he was actually. Uh, I cannot remember what his initial uh, gimmick name was. Uh, he used to work for. Uh, a really small fed out of uh, like the Los Angeles area. Matter of fact, he was uh, Percy Pringle, better known as Paul Bearer's last actual managerial client. Really? Uh, Percy Pringle, before he passed away, was, uh, I cannot for the life of my name, for the life of me remember his original name. Back in pro wrestling at Hollywood, uh, Drake was his guy. And they recruited him in, into uh, NXT. Uh, back when they were still uh, just getting out of the FCW days. So maybe about the time Neville was a uh, champion. Sure. Um, so they recruited him into NXT and actually signed him. I think his name with WWE was something like Slate Randall, some just awful name. And uh, it's good shit. He, rather than going on to NXT, they ran him on the uh, short-lived reality show that NBC ran. With the Rock hosting, called the, I think the Hero, Whoa. or the Titan, no, it was the Titan Games or something like that. No, no, excuse me, I'm thinking of two different shows. The Rock did one on the NBC called the Titan Games. He did a very short-lived, I think, one season long show on USA called like the Hero or something like that. It was a competition reality show, and this dude was one of the contestants on it. Huh. Mm-hmm. Now I got to so go look up, up old Eli Drake footage on that show. Uh, ended up flaming out on uh, on NXT. Never even made it to TV. That's when he got picked up by Impact. And see, I think I first uh, heard of him in, in Impact. Mm-hmm. And w- did he feud with Magnus at one point, which is Nick Aldis? I believe so. Uh, I think they kind of passed it like as Magnus was leaving. Yeah, I know Drake got his start with Impact, and I can't remember the name. I think it was like The Rising was the name of their stable. It was uh, him and uh, Drew McIntyre, uh, who was uh, going by his actual name of Drew Galloway at the time. And, uh, oh, uh, he goes by uh, Tangaloa now in in, uh, in J- New Japan, uh, was Micah in Impact, uh, was Camacho in WWE. Um, so they had a really small stable very briefly, uh, right at the end of the Dixie Carter area of impact and right into the very beginning, I want to say of the, uh, 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 Billy Corgan era of impact and didn't last very long. Um, and then Galloway re-signed with WWE, uh, Micah Tangaloa ended up going to new Japan and left Drake pretty much by his lonesome. And he's done, done different angles. I know he did a pretty good angle with Abyss, actually, before Abyss retired. Uh, even had his own talk show there. Didn't he and Abyss fight at, like, Abyss's fucking, uh... 
a Hall of Fame I, ceremony? I feel like it. Was that I know they had Drake? a Monsters Ball match at least one point, so. The thing about the thing about Drake is I was never quite sold on him myself. I liked him, but it was never really I kind of waited for him to get over the hump. He's not great in the ring. Like he is he's very much the Miz actually in my mind. Okay. He's not he's not really going to wow you with his matches. He's not a work rate guy. He's very safe. But the dude can fucking talk very very well. Very natural speaker. I have an interesting so, little uh, Eli Drake anecdote for you. Sure. Again, I watched the Chris Van Vliet show because Chris Love Law mm-hmm. is my man. Um, only been used once on AEW so far, by the way. Surprisingly so, yeah. Uh, but uh, he had Drake on, Eli Drake, talking. And I don't know. This probably was maybe right around the time he signed to power or right before he signed to power because he's kind of alluding he's got something coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's actually the guy that does most of the mocap for WWE games. Really? He Yeah, he does like 80% of the entrances and most of the moves is him in the suit with all the little dots. I'll be damned. Yeah, he talks about it. It's very, very interesting. And, you know, I guess that he said there was, because he was doing that, like, while under contract with Impact and everything else. Like, (laughs) he's like, well, I mean, technically, I guess I didn't work directly for WWE. I worked for 2K, but. Gotcha. You know, and speaking of that, how about the shit show that is WWE 2K20 getting shite on by everyone? Oh, my God. I saw. I saw what may be the best glitch video I have ever seen, and it was from the uh, 2K or uh, was it 2K20's release day. Of um, I'll, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. It almost defies description. It is a video of Charlotte and some other gal. I think it's a it's a women's match. Charlotte goes to put whoever it is she's wrestling in the figure eight, goes to bridge, and the referee glitches into her into the ring. I saw that it's like a fucking exorcism. Well, no, no, no. In this one, the referee is down on his knees and glitches forward. And, uh, Charlotte's head (laughs) glitches backwards in such a way that her head disappears. And the referee just starts shaking. If I can that. find it, I will send it to you. Hell, I'll post it on the Facebook group because it has to be seen to be believed. That's hysterical. It is one of the funniest glitch videos I've ever seen of a video game, and I've seen my share. So it's bad, folks. Don't get it. Even it's, it's very bad. people's money. That's how bad 2K20 is. Don't buy it. Um, actually, I saw something. Uh, the collector's edition of 2K20 is supposed to have like an autographed vinyl thing, like an autographed piece of a ring from... I believe it's like Edge, Kurt Angle, or Mick Foley, maybe. I can't remember who the third one is. But that was supposed to be part of the collector's edition. And I guess a lot of them shipped out without it. <gasps> oh, no. Um, so it, it got big enough that Edge actually jumped on Twitter and said, Hey, if you didn't get this, DM me. We're, uh, we're on vacation right now, but when I come back from vacation, I'm going to get a P.O. box and... I will. You can send me a letter. I will send it from that PO box. Holy like he shit. will actually come in. Edge being good guy, Edge coming through and actually gonna send something to his fans himself to make up for two K's fuck up. Fucking good guy, Edge. Be more like right? good guy, Edge. Everybody. Right. Honestly, I 
I've only bought one of the 2K games in my time, and I it's whichever one that had Austin on it. I, I barely played it. I think that was 15. Um, and, like, looking at the videos for 2K20 as they were releasing, like, who's in it and, you know, the rosters and everything, the graphics look fucking terrible. Bad. For this day and age. Like, the, the faces look awful. Like, fucking, uh, there's a shot of Becky Lynch that looks like, I swear to God, the face looks like, um, oh, uh, almost Ted DiBiase. It's terrible. Damn, that's a jump. It's not good. And, like, they did a big thing about looking, uh, they have China in the game for the first time, and they did a video showing China's entrance and how proud they were. And I'm like, wow, you managed to make China look even more like a man. That's that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good that's thing. That's a really bad look, yeah. So, like, I, it seems like the games are just a cash grab at this point. There's so many other good wrestling games out there. And from what I've read, like, uh, 2K doesn't even want to, they, they didn't want to make a wrestling video game. They didn't want to do it in the first place, but because of their contract with WWE, they were, like, obligated to, I guess. That's, That's just some of the commentary brutal. I've seen on it, so... I still have my TNA Impact video game. How about that? I I think I may still have a, a PS2 disc of SmackDown Here Comes the Pain. Hell yeah, that's a good here. one. That uh, was Oh yeah, I played the shit out of that game. I definitely still have my WWF No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. Very nice. Um, yeah, I always loved using the cheat code to unlock Moppy. Oh god, which the was, Perry Saturn mop. Yeah, which was literally just a oh mop my with, god. with like it was it's very weird. Go look up videos. Um <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. It's like it, I will say that the graphics to Here Comes the Pain and or No Mercy are better than 2K20. Right? Um, I mean, it's <laughs> like, "Oh, well the entrances look good, but the character looks like ass. The models are awful. They're are bad. just flat out They're awful. They're properly yeah. bad." Oh, God, where do we go from the dumpster fire that was 2K20? Well, I mean, to pretty much just say that Raw has been a dumpster fire, SmackDown has also been a dumpster fire, and mm-hmm. we have really great Wednesday nights to be thankful for. Very true. Because uh, you know, it, the Wednesday night wars have been lit. You know, it's kind of reflected. I went, when I went to make my uh, top five, it's kind of telling that I didn't have a single match from Raw or SmackDown in the last two weeks that was anywhere near that top five. Like, okay. I didn't have it in my top 15. You're not going to either. I, That's no, saying I'm not. something. Like, I think the closest I got, I think I maybe gave a star to that uh, Herberto Carrillo-Rollins match, maybe. Meh. Like, or... Or the I guess the Ricochet McIntyre match last Monday wasn't awful, but there's nothing special about it either. Not awful doesn't equal good. No, and that's the unfortunate. It's good. Truth. It's when it's good for Raw. That's not a good thing. Honestly, the best thing to come out of Raw was that the Street Profits were fucking great. I love the Street Profits. They're the tits. Did you uh, did you see the clip of them as the show ended with uh, I think it's Montez Ford dancing with a baby? No. Out in the crowd, that was like I had to go back and rewatch it because I, I didn't hear about it until after the fact. The last, like the last five seconds of Raw, after they won their match, Street Profits jumped out in the crowd and they're doing their exit through the crowd and dancing around, and crowds just loving them. 
And there's this baby that this woman's holding that is just absolutely taken with Montez Ford. So he just reaches up and grabs the baby and just starts dancing with it. That's, That's how they ended the show. You know, that dude is athletic as hell, and I am happy as hell to see them doing well because I think Montez Ford is great, and I think Angelo Dawkins has put in more than enough work to find the gimmick that works for him. So good on both of them. Man, absolutely well said. I just realized we're going to have two weeks of AEW Dynamite to cover. Did I say that already? Uh, Yeah. Because we waited a week, so we, we technically have two weeks to cover. Yep. So lots of really great tag team wrestling. Oh, yeah. Deepest uh, tag team roster in wrestling, honestly. So two weeks ago, we had the Young Bucks private party tag match. Absolutely right. incredible. Lit. Right. Um, so uh, for this week's episode, I think we started with um, reversing my notes here. Um, Private Party v. Lucha Bros. That's this week. I'm looking at last week. We had SCU Best Friends. Um, we had John Reynolds or Alex Reynolds and John Silver versus LAX. You have the Britt Baker Riho Championship match. Uh, the Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express match, the Marco Stump match. Yeah. Uh, the Moxley Pack versus uh, Page and Omega, and then finishing with Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. All played out kind of how I expected. I I want to touch on real quick on that uh, that Lucha Brothers Jurassic Express. What do you think of Marco Stunt? I fucking quite like the dude. I think he's a great worker. Yeah, he's little and. Should that take you out of it? No, because Rey Mysterio's little fucking dude too. What right. he wears a mask that makes it less weird, right? Like, no, think... dude, it's cool. And I think Marco Stunt is athletic, creative. I think that he will grow with time. I feel like the Jurassic Express has dealt a devastating blow with the actual injury of Luchasaurus. To Luchasaurus, definitely. Um, what's he out six weeks or six months or something with an ACL? Uh, they didn't know it's not an ACL; it's a hamstring. Hamstring. Sorry, sorry, you got me. So I think Thanks he's like two up. to two to three months. I think it is, which is still awful in any regard. Um, the reason I ask about Marco Stunt is when I watched it, I've seen a couple of his matches before. And you bring up a great comparison with Mysterio. And really, I had the the reason I got interested in it or kind of kind of had a lot of thinking about it was in AEW alone, you have someone else that's very similar to Marco Stunt in Riho, but it's much smaller and much, you know, slighter than the people that she's wrestling against. And I kept finding myself where I can buy Riho's matches. I can buy into her match and believe her. I had trouble suspending my disbelief with Marco Stunt, though. And I couldn't quite place why. And after some thinking, and really the Mysterio example is great, that it's not because he's puts the mask on that he is uh, taken seriously. It's that, he, A, he acts serious. Like, he is never presented once as a goofy wrestler or a gimmicky wrestler. And Mysterio's built. For his height, he's built. Whereas Marco Stunt has the body of, like, Stick Stickly from the old Nickelodeon shows. <laughs> like, the guy... I, I 
I respect the fact that he is athletic as shit. I can't do what he does. He is absolutely a phenomenal athlete. But it's the size plus the fact that he looks like he is made of wet Kleenex. Like he's just thin and tiny. That he's it's just hard to buy into him for some reason. I think another gonna, thing people I'm, have problem I'm with too, man. With not it. to not to cut you off. I'm sorry. You're fine. But uh, another thing that people have an issue with is it, it's 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 almost like we had a really really perfect thing initially with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, right? And then it felt like Marco Stunt just got like darted into this thing. Like you're going to be Kinda here now. You're in. part of yeah. this, and now the yeah. boy has a boy. That's fucking weird. But okay, I mean, yeah. sure. It's. It is difficult because it does the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy gimmick, the the boy and his dinosaur gimmick, went over very well. Like was honestly, I could have seen them winning the title just because they're over as shit. Marco Stunt, you're right, came in, kind of got shoehorned into it, and then you can buy Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy being competitive against the fucking Lucha Brothers, who are just world beaters. But it's damn hard to buy little Marco Stunt who's up there flossing against somebody like Pentagon. Exactly. It's, it's, it just takes a lot more suspension of disbelief. I'm going to keep working on it because I like Marco Stunt. I think he's a good guy. And I, I do respect him for being as athletic as he is. And it actually it kind of made me mad at myself for not being able to take him seriously. So I'm going to keep working on that one. Hopefully he can win me over. Now I'm going to follow up this little Rey Mysterio comparison because I don't know if you watch Being mm-hmm. the Elite. I know there's lots of wrestling to watch, so a show I almost very totally dedicated behind. to storyline can be difficult. Do you watch it? I'm very far behind. I'm, I have not watched a new episode in a, a few, probably a month, month and a half. I try to get the highlights when I can, but I have not gotten to sit down and actually watch it. I'm terrible about watching shows like that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you see the interesting interaction with Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt this week? I did not. Oh, I'm so stoked to give you this news. So All on right. Being the Elite, there was a, a spot, obviously, after the uh, Jurassic Express Jr. lost to the Lucha Bros. And... Jurassic Express Jr. is walking up to a Luchasaurus who is, you know, mask on but laying on a right. trainer's table with his leg bent, you know, trying to get the prognosis right. or whatever. And asking if they lost and blah, blah, we lost or whatever. And then he says something really motivational, but it doesn't mean that you lost forever and it doesn't mean you can't stop trying to be better than you were yesterday or whatever. And then awesome. okay. Jungle Boy walks away, right? Okay. And Luchasaurus says, Marco, one second. I think it's time. And he handed him a mini mask. Oh, okay. A a mini dino mask. Okay. I think Marco might actually be getting a mask as funnily as as that is. Honestly, that might actually help me. I could, that's storyline progression, and it's, it's not bad. I can take that. Okay. Yeah, man. I was, I was, I was, I was, like I said, I nerd down hard with wrestling. So it's like, like the girls honestly are really fucking annoyed with how much wrestling is on in our house all the time. (laughs) 
because there's always like any chance I get, I'm like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Get done with this podcast. Guess <sighs> what I'm gonna do? Watch the fucking wrestling. Guess what I'm gonna do tomorrow? Watch the fucking wrestling. Wrestling. More wrestling. Give me wrestling. Love wrestling. That's the beauty. <laughs> my dog doesn't. My dog doesn't complain too much because I can play with her while I'm watching wrestling. So. Um, get me a dog. That's a smart idea. I don't know if I've shown you this. I need, I have a picture. I will send it to you if I haven't shown you already. I taught my dog how to fucking too sweet. Get at me there. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> That's the bomb. Um, so let's talk. Let's keep talking a little bit about. Okay, so with the Darby Allen Jericho match, hell of a match. Mm-hmm. Darby almost wins with both of his hands behind his back. I. You know, I, I never expected him to win. I honestly didn't because I didn't think there was... I thought they have a more story going in with Cody. But I like that they did the match. I like that they gave Co- uh, Darby a bit of rub. I've seen some of Darby's older matches where I've known he can do shit like this. I've seen a match where Darby wrestled inside of a fucking body bag. The Damn. dude is... Oh, yeah. I One of the nastiest bumps I've ever seen somebody take was Darby in a body bag getting thrown off of a, a stage. Like, completely unable to protect himself. Oh, fuck, um, that's brutal. Uh, I've seen him do the basically a very similar style match with the uh, tape. I've seen him do it handcuffed. Uh, I cannot remember who against. I want to say it might have been David Starr. Uh, just because worker. apparently... Yes. Uh, not the last you'll hear of him today. Ah, um, nice, nice, nice. I love just seeding those little, little uh, tidbits in. There you go. But uh, uh, Darby go ahead. is great at that kind of shit. Um, actually, I think I put up something on the Facebook about uh, the Facebook page. Is Darby better without his hands than he is with? Possibly. I, I like that because it made him, it looks, it, they're starting to create a reality around Jericho that he's mm-hmm. kind of a paper champ. Yeah, you know he he can't he if he if he sure he beat Darby Allen thanks Jake Hager, um, right? Was that the yeah. did Jake Hager interfere yeah. in that one too? Or yep, it was a yeah it was a pretty much uh, Hager jumped up on the apron and just ran a, a straight right into Darby's forehead when he was getting ready to do a, I think it was a coffin drop. Yeah, so you know then Jericho gets the win, but he almost lost to this kid who like. Episode one wasn't even on AEW. He was on right. AEW Dark, and then by episode two, he's up against Jimmy Havoc, and then facing the champ, you know, and uh, literally wrestling with both hands behind his back, and still almost loses. Yeah. So I love I love where they're going. I love how they made Darby look. Um, I dug I dug the uh, the champ written all over him in his paint. I thought that was a neat touch. It was. It was really cool to see how they did that. Uh, um, go ahead. Brutal spot. A uh, brutal spot of the power bomb onto the skateboard. Yes. Oh. And uh, you gotta you gotta give the one spot in that match with with him being handcuffed. The tope gets a lot of the press. You know him diving through the ropes with the handcuffs. That's a big deal. But for him to do a quebrada, the lion salt, no handed. That's damn impressive. Considering he had nothing to balance himself on the middle right. rope with. Right. I Hell, mean, just getting up on the top turnbuckle without his hands is top, impressive. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, Darby Allen is the one guy that, you know, I wanted to put him as somebody to watch. I don't even know if that's necessary now. Everybody knows who he is now. 
he's become a household name very quickly mm-hmm. with the rise of uh, AEW here. That's definitely right. Uh, we uh, had the... Oh, I'm going to fuck this up now. Mox Pack versus Omega uh, Hangman match. Right. That was a mouthful. Yeah. Um, the uh, Pretty typical you know, Mox behavior, right? Gotta think so. And they're, they're kind of establishing the fact that he does not give two shits and will do whatever he feels like doing at any given moment in time. Um, I do dig the uh, them getting the brat, the bat, and the uh, broom out again. And uh, you know something that occurred to me while I was watching that Pac goes when he takes the bat out of uh, out of uh, Mox's hands and tosses it away or whatever. He fucking tore his hand up on it. Yeah, I saw it as soon as it happened. I just was like, oh fuck! He just ripped his finger wide open. Yeah. So if you ever were watching something with somebody and they say, "Oh, that barbed wire is gimmicked," <laughs> no, all he did was touch it. And he fucking cut himself. Exactly. That ain't gimmicked. <laughs> Gashed the shit out of his finger, and then he used that to paint his face for a little thing for being the yep. elite. I know it wasn't yep. for being the elite. I think it was for dark. Uh, well, they ran it as a little promo before the match on uh, before the main event match this uh, the main event match this past week. Exactly uh, this week's show. Yeah. Painted his face with the blood from his finger. How smart. Yep. And, and I mean, really, I again, I buy it that I like the the angle. You and I talked about it a little bit of them kind of mixing the different uh, feuds into one tag match. Uh, I love that booking. I like that Pac is concerned about his win-loss record and the fact that he's, to that point, was undefeated. Uh, I like that he is using that as an angle. I like that Mox costing him the match actually meant something. He wasn't losing just to lose. Right. Um, I like that it spins out into its own little mini feud, and it works beautifully. Uh, The match that they had as a follow-up this week was fucking great. Not sure about the finish, but the match was fucking great. What finish? Exactly. <laughs> the, the, uh, can I? The okay, I'm going to say this. Let me say this. I need. To, I need to get up upon my soapbox. Sure. When since fight for the fallen, we've had two draw matches in a 20 right. minute time limit match with moderate to bigger stakes and bigger names in the matches. Okay, mm-hmm. Darby makes sense. Cody didn't have to take an L. Darby doesn't take an right. L. They both look strong. Okay. Right. I buy that. Mox and Pack not finishing and going to a draw this week was like toasting your bread and then forgetting to put any jelly on it and just eating <laughs> it dry as shit. Well, what's the what's the old adage that it ties like kissing your sister? Pretty much. Yeah. I on one hand, I, I'm not gonna say I enjoyed it, but you know what? I kind of dug a little bit of the fact. Like, I like that they will continually remind you here and there. If you watch enough WWE matches and they start putting a time limit on it, you're gonna go, "Ah, eh, fuck! They're never gonna go to a draw. No one wants to see that." But they actually didn't. It it creates a little bit of doubt in your mind for a future match. Like if you're watching and all of a sudden you hear. Five minutes remaining. It's like, oh shit. Uh, okay, this actually means something now. Yeah, like they better get it, their asses moving, and somebody better get it a pen. Gets, 
it does build a little bit of drama. Like, I, I don't like that it kind of blue balls the end of the show, but at the same time, the buildup to that draw was pretty good drama. The kick out, he hit the fucking uh, uh, paradigm shift right before the bell. Yeah. So, I mean, he had a chance, and Pac kicked out of it. That was the thing. It wasn't, you know, they couldn't get to their feet, or it wasn't a uh, Cody just couldn't pin him in time. It was, no, you had him pinned. He just kicked out. And I think they played it off well by having Mox attack the referee and, you know, finishing the show with him, you know, time limit my ass. I can buy that. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. Honestly, what I could see them doing, just my own... I'm not going to call it fantasy booking, but maybe a little bit of meta. I could see them running the uh, rematch as a dark match because that way they wouldn't have to worry about a time limit. They could do an un like a untimed match. Yes. Oh, that's smart. So you know, I could probably actually you can look up what matches are going to be on dark because they've already happened. Um, that's but, true. But interestingly enough, I don't want to know. I like being surprised. Same every here. Tuesday. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the. That was all from the 16th. We're blending shows here. We've been talking about the 16th and going right into this week's. Uh, this week's show had the uh, a lot of the tag the tag semifinals. There were three tag matches this week on uh, Dynamite. Yes. yes, and all three of them were very good. I absolutely agree. Private Party Lucha Bros was an awesome match. I love that Private mm-hmm. Party is quickly working their way to the top of my favorite tag teams all of a sudden. They, two things about Private Party that I keep noticing more than anything, they do a good job of having unique moves, which is getting to be a rare thing, especially in main roster stuff. They do shit that no one else is doing. I agree. Um, the silly string, that like uh, that over-the-top rope uh, uh, Hurricane Rana thing that they did, where he uh, balances on, I think it's uh, Cassidy balances on Mark Quinn's back on the outside of the ring, uh, rebounds in and does a hurricane run, I think it is. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool spot. No one else does that. 100% uh, agree. The other thing is, and I actually I'm I'm just remembering uh, when I was talking about uh, Montez Ford earlier with Street Profits, Mark Quinn, I want to see the two of them in a match because the two of them are just both ridiculously athletic. Agreed. Uh, Mark Quinn may have the most the prettiest uh, shooting star press in the world right now. Like it looks good when he gets up I, there, man. Well, he gets because uh, he gets to, up there. I was gonna say I'm gonna gush a little bit, but the dude's got it springs in his legs for that shit. He just floats. So I, I'm I'm absolutely down for any time I can see Private Party on screen just to watch them go. Um, they followed that up with the uh, SCU Dark Order match. Let me tell you, finish to mm-hmm. that match surprised me. I was not expecting um, SCU to go over. Uh, see, I'm kind of the opposite. Uh, as soon as Lucha Brothers won, I expected SCU to win. Because you just weren't going to have a heel based- team of the Lucha Bros versus a heel team of Dark Order? Well, that and the fact that there's a great storyline already built with SCU and the Lucha Brothers. There's already an angle there. Considering Daniels got attacked by the Lucha Bros, yep. and that's what injured exactly. him. If uh, 
honestly, going into the tournament, I expected to see a final of uh, Dark Order and uh, Jurassic Express, or Dark Order and really any of the face teams. Uh, my initial call before they released the brackets was going to be Dark Order Best Friends, uh, because that was the build-up at um, Fighter Fest and it uh, all out, uh, double or not, uh, yeah, all out. That they had a bit of a feud going, so I figured that was what the angle they'd run into the end of the tournament. But the fact that the Dark Order's uh, gimmick is just not getting over, um, I think they've kind of downplayed that. And it's too fucking uh, weird. Well, you know, honestly, I've seen a complaint about. AEW in general, it's the one thing I think they're missing, and it's the one thing that I think would help Dark Order more, is that they don't run enough promos. They really don't give you, unless you are following being the elite, or unless you knew who they were ahead of time, it's really, it's difficult for new people to get into, the not the matches, but the characters of who some of these wrestlers are. They're an anomaly wrapped in a question. Right. And the Dark Order being as heavily gimmicked as they are, they need that, and they've never gotten it. There's never been any talk. Like, they had a, a highlight video for them that was really cool, but there's no motivation. They don't, they've never cut a promo. They suck at so promos, apparently. I, I, I wouldn't know. I've never heard one. So, like, I think that the reason their gimmick's not getting over is because that's one that requires some help along the way. They need a Firefly Funhouse to go along with the Fiend. And they don't have that yet. Agreed, man. So so I could see I could see Dark Order getting over eventually, but I don't know. They they need to figure something out for them. We had a uh, we also had a rematch of the uh we already kinda of talked about this a little bit, but Joey versus Kenny in a non unsanctioned mm-hmm. match, so it was a sanctioned match. <laughs> Still good. They they ditched all the uh Ditched all the uh, the hardcore em- elements of it and still had a hell of a match. Absolutely great match. I I would have. I would say it's uh, one of the better Kenny matches since he's been um, back in uh, out of New Japan. Yeah, but also kind of not in the limelight as much. I could see that. Yeah, I uh, I honestly wasn't a hugest fan of his matches with like Pac or. With uh, the all uh, the double or nothing match with uh, Jericho, it seemed like he was almost half speed a little bit. Correct. But he's able. He was able to very much gel with Janela better than I would have expected them to. The two of them have very a uh, chemistry that I did not see coming. But awesome chemistry, no less. Except for that Definitely. crazy spot where. Uh... Uh, Omega tried to j- do the springboard out of the ring and smashed his calf onto the. Uh, then the uh, that was in the dark in the unsanctioned one, yeah. The uh, yeah the tope over the ropes, the Terminator tope, and uh, yeah, completely ripped uh, jacked his calf up on the top of the barrier. Yeah, it's funny too because if you watch him, you can hear him under his breath say, "Shit, god damn yeah. it." Because he's realizing he really hurt himself. Like, oh, God, calf stinger full-blown in the middle of my match. Now I've got to run and jump. Great. The thing, honestly, excuse me, one of my favorite things about Omega, and I remember uh, 
actually watching a, new, a recast of one of the uh, Okada matches uh, on Access about a year or so ago, and uh, called my stepdad up. My stepdad, who doesn't watch wrestling like at all, he used to watch it with me as a kid. But I said, I want you to turn on Access real quick so you can see what the best wrestling in wrestling is right now. And it was that I think it was the first uh, Kenny Okada match. And I said, he's like, wow. He sent me a text back. He said, wow, that guy's really good. I said, just wait till he starts throwing knees. Because that is the turning point in any Omega match is when he starts getting into doing the V-triggers and stops being as animated with his you can't escape and, and the fucking Terminator shit. When he drops the, the histrionics and just starts throwing knees, the dude is fucking scary. Oh, yeah. And... Again, my stepdad not having watched hardly any wrestling in years, never having any experience with New Japan, calls me, drops the text and calls me. He says, holy shit, those knees are, re- he's, he's just digging them in the face. I'm like, yep. <laughs> exactly what I was saying. It's brutal. <laughs> I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take a, a, a drink break sponsored by... Uh, I don't know. You do poor 360 on the uh, JIC. It would be podcast for sir. I th- I'm sorry. It is. He's doing a drink break, oh. folks. Brought to you by podcast for people. While he's drink breaking, I'm going to hype for a second. And talk about how the best friends in the Young Bucks put on a barn burner match together at AEW Dynamite this past week. Love freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy being out there as always, but. Um, Man, the Bucks are amazing. Yes, they are. Um, well deserving of their kind of ranking in the tag teams of the world. Um, I think uh, Nick is the lighter hair of the two and just does crazy shit. They're fluid as hell, and that's always fun to watch. Absolutely. Now they took and uh, they accepted the challenge from Santana and Ortiz for full gear. So now we got mm-hmm. Young Bucks versus those two. Do you think that before we get to full gear, that will turn into a number one contendership spot for the tag titles? Um, I don't think they're going to have time to. Because uh, full gear is next week, actually. No, uh, it's the two following weeks. week. So they've two got weeks. they've got two weeks to do it. They're crowning the tag champs next week. So they'd have to do it on the go-home show to full gear. I don't know that they do that right away. Well, all you got to do is make oh. it the stipulation. Young Bucks versus yeah, LAX, I mean, Loud and Proud. What did you call them? I think it's like Proud and Powerful or something. Proud and Powerful. Yeah. But winner gets number one contendership spot for an upcoming title shot. You know, that's all you do. I could see it. Um, it depends on how. It depends on how long they want to run the uh, angle between SCU and the Lucha Brothers to me. Because... And I, I'm I'm only saying this because my my thought of booking is still the WWE mold of you have one match between a, with a feud and then you have the follow up match and then the follow up match and the follow up match at infinitum with WWE and I'm kind of thinking along those lines that whoever wins the tag match or the tag titles between uh, Lucha Brothers and SCU you still have a little bit of a feud through the Daniels thing. Yeah, especially if they put the Lucha Brothers over. If they give the Lucha Brothers the title, I think they stay with that feud for a little bit longer. But if SCU gets the title, do you think they cut it loose and move on to something else? 
They could. Um, I part of me says, yeah, they've got a chance to do that. It depends on if how if they want to continue on with uh, the Daniels injury being part of it. If they if they want to, you mentioned earlier, if they want to have Daniels kind of maybe heel turn or have some dissension within the ranks, then you can keep that just in house with SCU and have them feud with whoever, uh, which would set up the number one contender feud. But if they want to run it as Daniels wanting revenge on uh, Lucha Brothers, then they could continue the Lucha Brother feud for a little bit longer. Yeah, man. Uh, the who knows how they're going to play all this out. It's interesting because you know you said like we're so used to the WWE mold, and I started thinking, exactly. like, yeah, what if they totally just throw that all out the fucking? This is what we used to know about wrestling. They might do a whole different thing. You're right. Yeah, think about it this way. We've we've seen the all outs, we've seen the double or nothings where it's just a one off pay per view at a time or one off, you know, event at a time. This is really their first time of leading up into a pay per view and then building out of it. And Cohesion, we've not seen that yeah. before. So this is a first for the AEW and a first for the viewers. So we'll see. Well, bro, uh, you know, we still have a whole other thing that happened Wednesday with two NXTs. Yeah. Now, I think these um, NXTs feature some of your favorite pro wrestlers. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this and guide us through these NXTs that we had. You know, honestly, there's the 16th and the 23rd with the two different episodes. Um, kind of the tale of two episodes for me. The 16th, I didn't have very much that I really, that jumped out at me. Last week's episode, running down the list, you had Champa Garza, Lorcan Birch versus Imperium. Uh, Io Shirai versus Caden Carter. You had you did have Dijakovic versus Keith Lee that got uh, the no finish due to Roderick Strong. Uh, Riddle versus Bronson Reed. Tynera versus Tegan Knox. Boa versus Killian Dane. And then Pete Dunne and Damian Priest. That's your lineup from the 16th. Which, okay, now, there were some good matches, but I agree with you. There, Overall, there were some the decent matches. flat. There's some decent matches, but if you look at that list, there's a lot of names in there where it is established name versus kind of an enhancement talent at the moment. You have EO versus Caden Carter. You know who's going to win that match. You have Champa versus Garza. You know, even though Garza's getting a little bit of a rub now. Totally, you know yeah. Champa's he just won this week match. and uh, might be challenging yeah. for that uh, cruiserweight title. Right. Uh, Matt Riddle and Bronson Reed. They're not going to have Riddle lose that right away. No. Tynera and Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox's first match back. She's not going to lose. So uh, Boa and Killian Dane. No chance in hell of Boa winning. Sorry. So that kind of took me a little bit out of last week's episode. Good story building, but match wise, not a whole lot to write home about. Compare, compare that with this week, where you have Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Awesome. You have Cameron Grimes and Matt Riddle. Really uh, awesome, considering. And I, I think I messaged this to you. You did last night, yeah. I need to pull this up because. Sure. Where is it? Here. Alex Buckles. Here we go. I said. It would have been about 11 o'clock you, last night, yeah. Hmm. I said, I am actually impressed with Cameron fucking Grimes. Like, what is this life? <laughs> you know, he's. He's a good wrestler, but his character in NXT has been almost non-existent so far. Definitely. And, They've been trying to use him more, yeah. for sure. 
I've honestly, I like that they're building up. They're putting on TV the Swerves, the Cameron Grimes. They're actually building with some of these new guys that they debuted recently, and that's awesome. Yeah. And really, you're right. That Grimes Riddle match. I when I when I watched it today, so I just watched it back this afternoon. I was thinking of that comment from you about how good the match was, and the first half of that. I'm going, well, hell, Grimes hadn't done a damn thing. He's been basically squashed for most of this. Like, he's gotten barely any offense in and then just comes out of nowhere. That uh, The backflip to the uh, German suplex spot is dope as fuck. That's absolutely I've never one seen of the coolest that spots. I was like, holy shit. I've not seen that before, and I've seen <laughs> a few of his matches. I'm going, where the fuck did that come from? Um, so yeah, hell of a match. Uh, then you go to uh, Brizongo and uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott versus the Forgotten Sons, who I think I last night referred to as uh, Jacked Son Riker and his two weird Anarchy Marine guys. Also known as third-rate knockoff Eliases. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to like Forgotten Sons, but there's just nothing there. They not, have no personality. Not doing it for me. And they're they're... To me, they come off like they want to be the revival so badly. You like they broke want to be up old sanity for this shit. Yes. Um. Then you have uh, Garza versus Gallagher, which we mentioned a minute ago. Garza with the win. Great match. I mean, great little like for what it was match. I love the idea of him going up against Leo Rush, who was very good on commentary as well. Yeah, Leo's got some skills. Uh, you have uh, honestly probably the one of the worst matches I've seen this week was uh. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai versus Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. Ugh. Who, you know, I get why they have them. There's name recognition to an extent, and they want to keep Ronda Rousey happy. But God, those two are just awful. Bad. Like they don't emote well. They don't do the character bits well. They don't wrestle all that well. I think. Uh, I think it's uh, Marina Shafir, Roddy Strong's wife, uh, who is. Uh, in the midst of them calling, she says she dubs herself the CEO of the judo throw, botching a judo throw. Jeez. It's like, okay, that's just, oh, God. Thankfully, they then follow it up with Keith Lee, Don, uh, Donovan Di- or Dominic Dijakovic, and Roderick Strong putting on a fucking great match. Honestly, might be, in my opinion, why NXT wins this week. You know, it's very, it's a very close one. Um, I I honestly don't know which of the two I would pick as far as who had the better show. I think that uh, the Lee Dijakovic strong match is head and shoulders above any single match on Dynamite this week, but Dynamite had a lot of fucking good matches this week too. So many good matches, and they're building their future. They, they like right. right now, these tag team matches have clout. They have reason. Right. So, so like I don't you know it, I AEW is building uh, yeah. for this. So while you have all these, you know, you had like amazing Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, uh, Roderick Strong match. All that tag team action was undeniable this week, man. Right. I do want to I do want to stop and talk a little bit about the, th- the triple threat there on NXT just because a you and I will sit here and gush over AEW the entire time and NXT needs a little needs a little bit of love here. Especially because that match, again, was fucking great. Uh, I've said it before on the show, but Lee and Dijakovic have chemistry out the ass. And throwing Roddy into the middle of that, 
made a huge difference too. Like the end of the match was great. You and I talked about it off the air. The fucking tower doom spot that could have ended with legitimate doom. The death of Roger uh, Strong after an accident. Yes. Oh my god. If you haven't seen the clip of that, I, there's no describing it. Uh, you have a power bomb. You have a super power bomb and a superplex that almost gets botched and Roddy, by the grace of CrossFit and whatever ab god he prays to. His core muscles kept him from dying on the turnbuckle. Word. Um, but just a great match, and a, the crowd... Honestly, the cool thing to me was how much... Uh, how to put this? When the crowd is into a match, how much of a difference it makes. And the crowd was absolutely white-hot for the entirety of that match. Totally uh, agree. And the very... And then the very end of that, uh, well, not quite the very end of the finish to it, but there's a moment when they're on the outside and Lee essentially throws Roderick at Dijakovic, who picks him up for the uh, uh, feast your eyes on the floor. And then immediately uh, Roddy gets pounced out of the ring or out of his boots on the floor right afterwards. There's a moment where Dijakovic and Lee just stare at each other for a second and the crowd just loses their shit. And then they jumped in the ring really fast yep. to get back There's into this it. Nod of, this nod of approval of, no, we're doing this in the fucking ring. Let, we've, we've taken out the fly. Let's go finish this ourselves. And the crowd just ate it up. And super cool match. I mean, one of the best things NXT's had on it in a couple of weeks, and that's saying something. Well, and then to top it off, then you have the huge... Undisputed Era angle that closes right. the show. We have the, holy shit, they just turned Finn Balor heel. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so you finish with, they jump they jump Lee. They do the uh, the tag team finisher on Lee, which there's a little bit of foreshadowing there. I can easily see Dijakovic and Lee getting a tag title shot now, and I'm here for it. I'd be down. Uh, so you have that, and then Champa comes out. Looks like it's going to be a one-on-four because Champa won't fucking back down because he's a psychopath and I love him. Then you have Johnny Gargano come out and holy shit, we have DIY together. The crowd's already losing their shit. A non-heel DIY, mind you. Yes. And then here comes Finn Balor. New look, you know, got the tattoo on his hand now. He's got his, uh, he's got kind of the three-quarter beard, head's a little almost shaved. Looks a little different wearing a different leather jacket. Lines up with the DIY folks. We're going to have ourselves a nice little standoff. And then just Pele kicks the living fuck out of Gargano right in the face. Beautiful. Beautifully executed. Yes. Uh, you know, even though it was slightly spoiled by someone. Sorry. I. It's okay. It's totally okay. Someone's you didn't know where I was totally at. Totally my own fault. Totally me. Um, yeah. But... Uh, even with the slight knowledge that something was going to happen, I wasn't certain what I came out of my chair, dude. I freaked out. I thought it was awesome. Right. And I just kept yelling at the screen, just do the fucking undisputed era sign. Just do it with your hands. Just fucking do it. Or I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down for him not being in the era. You just want him to be rogue. Not necessarily rogue. I want to see. Uh, okay. The question is how much did you follow his original run with new Japan? As Prince Devitt, very little. He, 
is known as Prince Devitt. He's also the original founder of the Bullet Club. I knew that. He was the original Bullet Club. Um, which, shout out to uh, all the original B- Bullet Club guys that uh, came back and tweeted back at him afterwards. You had uh, fucking Tama Tonga even showing him, showing him some love for it. Oh, yeah. Um, but he was a fantastic heel as the, what they called the real rock and roller fin, uh, Prince Devitt and then into the Bullet Club, the original incarnation of the Bullet Club. And at the end of that bit, the end of the uh, the turn, when he does the, uh, not his normal like 1916 whatever B finisher that he'd been doing, he goes back to his New Japan finisher, which is called uh, the Bloody Sunday. is uh, almost a half-hatch elevated DVT, DVD, or DDT rather. Kind of a Death Rider light, just half-hatch rather than a, a double underhook. Hell yeah. And just drills Gargano into the into the uh, ramp with it. Great sell on Gargano's part, but watch for a couple seconds. When they do the uh, the undisputed hand gesture at him, the gang sign, is what I will always call it, Bowers on the ramp, and he finger guns. Yep, I saw it. Double finger guns, and not just any. That was the original Bullet Club finger guns. They may finally be pulling the trigger on the actual Balor Club. Damn. And if they do, watch the fuck out because we could see all kinds of shit come out of that. You could see faction wars. You could see a face turn from Undisputed Era come out of that. I'm down. I love Undisputed Era. I mean, I wouldn't say I'd rather see them stay a little more on the uh, tweener side, but I'm down for it. I th- it's almost a shame that they're coming up so closely on uh, the war games because they're not going to have time to build up a Bullet Club for Balor in time to have the war games match. Yeah. But I would be more than down for a Bullet Club versus fucking the Undisputed Era war games. I would love to so, see a triple threat at war games. Uh Possibly, if you're not going to do an actual War Games match with them, have the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish team versus mm-hmm. Lee Dijakovic mm-hmm. versus DIY. I could see it. I think uh, I think they're going to probably go with the Lee Dijakovic route. Uh, I think they'll probably see the tag title match go that way. I think you're going to get Gargano Balor. I think honestly, the uh, War Games match this year might actually end up being women's. Oh, that'd be interesting. I mean, you got to think about how many people they actually have in the title scene for the women's match right now. They have a four-way next week. You have Ripley. You have Shirai. You have Bianca Belair. You have Candice LeRae. Okay, you've got four now. Let's look at who how else you're going to need for War Games. Then you also have. Uh, Baszler, Jasmine you have Duke, Baszler, the other one, you the other have one after Tegan, that. If Tegan Knox and uh, and Dakota Kai lose their uh, tag title match next week, they've already put seeds down for Tegan Knox to have a title shot. You have Mia Yim that's kind of on the outside looking in. I could see them building to that. So, I mean, there's there's definitely enough women that have been on or in or around the title picture for a long enough time that I could see them doing a War Games match. I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of different ways they can go with it. I know they love the feather in their cap of the first women's anything. There's never been a women's War Games match. So I am 
a thousand percent down. Yep. All right, bro. I think it's time for top fives. Yeah. Top five. Uh, do you want to do the top five, or do you want to do somebody to watch for first? Up to you. What's more uh, poignant? I want to do the. I I kind of want to do the uh, someone to watch just because it's a little unique for me. Sure, bring it on. I'm gonna I'm gonna subvert it a little bit. Usually, the someone to watch. I've had the mindset of I want to show you as somebody that you could see get built up into a WWE or an AEW role. Someone you might see on your network TV somewhere down the road. That's where you get your Swerve Strickland. Uh, that's your Swerve Scotts. That's where you get your um, last week was Orange Cassidy. Guys that are just now kind of coming in or you will see more on your screen soon. I'm going to subvert just a little bit this week. I'm going to tell you about somebody that you will never, ever in a million years see in AEW or WWE because you will never see him on network television. Okay. And uh, the way I want to do this, I'm not sure if you're too familiar with this guy. I actually went back and wrote this out word for word. I want to do his introduction is the exact same way he gets introduced at his matches. Sure. He is a uh, beyond regular now. He is a GCW regular. He is a CZW regular. And this is how, especially on beyond, this is how they bill him out, how they announce him when he gets into the ring. I'm going to try to do this justice. It is uh, representing that murder-death-kill gang, Eastern Bloc, hate club, gang-affiliated, MDK, all-fucking-day, the man, the king, Nick fucking Gage. That is actually how the announcer will call him out at the beginning of the match. Damn. Usually with the wonderful little call and response, when he does the MDK, the crowd will yell, all-fucking-day. Nick Gage. He is a very interesting guy. I actually wrote a little bit of his backstory down. He is a guy that you'll never see on network TV because he is the least PG-rated wrestler I have ever seen. The guy cannot get a sentence out without a motherfucker in it. The crowd chants Nick fucking Gage directly back at him. And he is, as that uh, that intro gives you, he has no bones about being fucking gang-affiliated or being less than a, a reputable character. Um, if you don't know who he is, uh, Nick Gage has been around almost for 20 years now. Uh, actually debuted back in uh, 99 for CZW. Uh, he was one of the CZW originals uh, with guys like Zandig or Justice Payne. I think actually Justice Payne is actually his brother. Um, formed the uh, tag team of the Hate Club. He's been in more CZW matches and more death matches uh, on CZW than any other wrestler. Um, to the extent where I believe it was a tournament of death, uh, 2009, he actually had to be airlifted to a hospital from a backyard ring because of how bloodied and cut up he was. Jesus. Um, he is uh, actually, I think I mentioned to you a while back. He is also well known for having a bit of a hiatus. Uh, he got addicted to a lot of, uh, painkillers. And it ended up homeless and then uh, got arrested back in 2011 uh, for second-degree felony bank robbery. Went to jail for four years. Damn. So when he comes out and says he is Eastern Bloc gang-affiliated, he ain't lying. <laughs> the dude is nuts, to say the least. He is not a uh, technical wrestler by any stretch. He is a deathmatch guy through and through. But the reason he's someone to watch is the crowd's reception to him. When he came back from jail, he went to uh, GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, 
and kind of adopted that as his home promotion. Uh, he's actually been the heavyweight champion. He's their longest reigning heavyweight champ there, like 500-some days. Damn. But the crowd absolutely adores him. And he's kind of had, not, I'm not going to say a change of heart, but a little change of his mindset. You could kind of see where he's changed as a person a little bit. He legitimately loves being an independent pro wrestler. He loves being able to go wherever, do whatever, have great matches. He loves the the sport of wrestling. And when he cuts a promo or when he talks to people, it comes through. He is a very unfiltered, genuine human being. You know, rough around the edges to say the least, absolutely. Um, but he, uh, I've watched death matches of his that are not for the faint of heart, <laughs> say the least. He almost... Uh, killed david arquette last year i don't know if you heard about that i did hear about that that was that the was guy nick gage. in the match with david arquette his like throat got cut that right? was nick gage yes uh it was a uh, nick or david arquette of uh you know scream and ready to rumble fame <clears throat> excuse decides... me wcw world heavyweight champion david arquette you know mad respect to david arquette because the guy has done wrestling since then his stock as an actor, has never been lower. No one gives a shit about him as an actor, but he still continues to wrestle here and there. I've Good been for seeing you, it, dude. yeah. And I think the last time I Good heard from you. him was this death match with Nick Gage where the yeah. fluorescent light tube gouged him, right? Yep. He, uh, If memory serves, he got into the match. Why he chose to have a death match against Nick fucking Gage, of all people, God only knows. But uh, he got hit with a light tube, and actually it cut his uh, neck pretty badly. And he flipped the fuck out. Like, he's admittedly, Arquette admittedly said, I've panicked. I freaked out. He tries to, like, choke Gage. Like, literally just shoots on him for a second. Gage rolls with it. I guess uh, he even says at one point, like, you're in my world now. Just trust me. And they actually finish the match. They finish the match with a fucking hip toss. Because he just hip tosses Arquette, puts him down, pins him, and says, go home. (laughs) Yep. Go Go get treatment. So, yeah, first time you'll ever see a match ended with a uh, hip toss, especially in a fucking hardcore match. But um, getting back to Gage, he is a sight to see. I actually I looked for matches of his because I wanted to usually give my, my recommendations for matches. But the best thing I can tell you to do is just go on YouTube and just look him up. Any match you're going to find, there's not a, a one in particular that you're going to find is, you know, head and shoulders above the others. They're all crazy in their own way. They're all either like psycho death matches or they're him just getting into almost looks like a bar fight with somebody. But just watch him come out, interact with the crowd, and see the kind of guy that he is while wrestling. It's kind of refreshing in its own way. It's weird. Well, now and I'm going to have to I, check it out when we're out of here for sure. I wanted, I wanted to shout him out because, again, if you're not looking for him, you won't find him because he'll never show up on your screen for WWE or AEW. He won't be within 50 feet of a live mic on network TV ever. So, uh, yeah, Nick fucking Gage. Uh, I got to call him out. He's got to be somebody you need to check out. So there you go. I am absolutely checking, like I said just seconds ago. Seriously, when we get out of here, I'm going on, like I said, wrestling all the time. I'm going to put on a Nick Gage match and just get lost in it, man. All right. Hell I'll jump into the top yeah. I'll jump into the top five since we've already talked a lot about him. Sure. There's a couple matches we have not referred to, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Um, 
when I uh, I started the show, I mentioned that I watched a lot of fucking wrestling this week, and I got to see a couple really good matches that uh, we haven't got a chance to talk about. It flew very much under the radar, and I'm excited to talk about them. Um, as usual, I do have a little bit of a uh, uh, honorable mention. Uh, I actually made uh, my the private party Lucha Brothers was an honorable mention this week. Worth it. Awesome match. Great match. That's saying something that it couldn't get the top five. I had to give it something. Um, I do have another uh, honorable mention, but I'm going to hold off on it for just a couple seconds. Sure. Uh, number five I had was uh, Darby Allen and Jericho, just because it had great story. You and I have already talked about it. Great match, good story, good flow, um, and it's a star builder for uh, for Darby Allen. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Number four is one that one of them I wanted to uh, single out. Um, how you said you don't watch a whole lot of New Japan? Not really, unfortunately. So uh, this past week was King of Pro Wrestling, uh, one of their events, and it was a uh, Jushin Liger and Minoru Suzuki. Um, Suzuki, and both of them, I will probably do a, a spotlight on later on in the show, somewhere down the road. Um, Liger is one of the original junior heavyweights. He is the Japanese Rey Mysterio. Absolutely. Basically, he was their answer to the cruiserweights. He's been around forever, and this is, he. we're in the middle of his, basically his retirement run. Um, the way New Japan does retirements, the way they do it over the overseas, they won't actually have one big last match that they'll build up to. They will have kind of a retirement tour for him. Um, so his last match will be at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, excuse me, it'll be right after Wrestle Kingdom this year. But uh, they've been building this feud with Minoru Suzuki, who he has a lot of history with. It's been like a 15-year history going back to when Suzuki ran uh, Pancrase, was his version of MMA back in the, the mid-'90s. Um, but if you don't know anything about Minoru Suzuki, he is one of the most violent, strong-style wrestlers you'll ever see and one of the most just uh, just bastard characters you're ever going to find, like just miserable human beings. But uh, they had Liger and Suzuki. They've been building it up for the last couple of, like months. And great match, great dramatic storytelling, even if you haven't seen it. Even if you haven't seen many, uh, many stuff by them, you still kind of get this feeling while you're watching it. You're seeing something special. And as I was watching it, it, it clicked to me that it's almost the Japanese version of watching the uh, Ric Flair-Shawn Michaels match. Oh, amazing. Like, it is two legends, two absolute legends of, of their field. And, I mean, absolute Hall of Famers in Japanese pro wrestling. One of them is just the old dog that is fighting against time, fighting against the end, the dying of the light, as it were, and a guy that is hell-bound and determined to put him down. And you don't get a super kick, I love you, that you got in the flare match, but there is some very high drama to the end of it, and it is almost beautiful to watch. So if you have a chance to watch some New Japan, you can find it on YouTube. I actually, that's how I watched it this time. Um, the whole match is up on YouTube if you look for it or on uh, Daily Motion. Uh, but definitely get a chance to check it out. If you're not familiar with Japanese pro wrestling, it's a great start for it. Um, number three, I had the Keith Lee, Dijakovic, Roddy Strong match. Um, it almost pains me to rate the two of them so low as a number three. But the two I had above it, I had to rate above it. You and I already talked about the triple threat, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, 
Number two, uh, as I said, I've been kind of getting into Beyond Wrestling recently, and they had a match, the uh, most recent, I guess not most recent as of tonight, last week's uh, Uncharted Territory, main events David Starr and Mercedes Martinez. Okay. And David Starr's you a hard have talked worker, about David man. Starr. He is. And uh, I, my first experience with Mercedes Martinez was through uh, the Mae Young Classics. Uh, she is an OG female wrestler. She is one of the best in the business right now. She's as close to a legend in female wrestling that is still going as you can get. So, in a way, it was kind of a dream match to see. You wouldn't really expect to see the two of them fight each other. But it's an intergender match that is fucking awesome. Great grappling. They build up so much drama throughout it. And I found myself, uh, like, really, like, from watching it, kind of not paying attention to the beginning of the show, by the end of that match, I was fucking on my feet cheering for Mercedes Martinez, who you don't really find yourself cheering in intergender matches too much. They're kind of uncomfortable at times. This was fucking awesome. Um, They put on an absolute classic. Star is one of the best workers going right now, and Martinez matches him hold for hold and blow for blow. Great, great, great match. Um, the second honorable mention I have was the uh, Janela Kenny Omega uh, non unsanctioned match, the one from uh, Dynamite last week. The sanctioned week. match. <laughs> that was, yeah, the non lights out match, the non hardcore match. Sure. That's an honorable mention, and I only made it an honorable mention because I didn't want to put the two of them in two matches in my top five. <laughs> Because, because number, number one. one is absolutely that hardcore match. <laughs> it was so fucking good. Yes, it was. Um, there are spots in there that just make you cringe. Uh, I think, uh, God, Janela throws a, almost a sideways German on a Omega into a, uh, into a ladder that just looks disgusting. Yeah, he just, like, like just flat down and brutal. smashed him. Into, I remember that. That's a hardcore spot into that corner. There's the V triggers are off the fucking V trigger with his uh, head trapped in the turnbuckle against the chair is terrifying. I'll say one thing. There's only one little minor complaint about that spot. What's that? Janela is definitely anticipating it and it's a little obvious. It can be. Yeah, I can I see mean, that. it's the only pick. Literally the only gripe I have about that entire match is that one moment valid, with the chair. Completely he's valid. like fiddling with the chair. Do I hold the chair? Do I let go of right. the chair? Do I make it look like I'm fucked up? Do I try to stand up now? Kenny, hurry up and hit me, motherfucker. Okay, here it is, Pam. But does he ever hit him? My God. <laughs> and then they finish it up with a fucking one-winged angel, running one-winged angel onto an open chair. Oh, God, ow. <laughs> And just Janela being his crazy-ass self and Kenny going step-for-step with him. Just absolutely great match. And again, like we talked about earlier, it's a fucking dark match. It's on YouTube. It's not even on their network show. What the fuck? This is amazing. They're going like, to give us that in the dark matches. Shit. It's like, oh, my what, what's God. Absolutely. And no better way to sell your dark show. 100%. Hell, I'm looking forward... I, I know I'm gushing over. I'm going to go see Dynamite on the 20th of November. I get to see Dynamite and Dark live. I'm stoked now. You'll know the I skinny on Dark before I will. 
I didn't when I bought the tickets, I didn't know Dark was a thing. <laughs> and now I get to see both shows. You're like, I'm on winning. fucking cloud nine. Yes. Fuck yeah. So like yeah, that the honestly, I watched those two matches, my top two, the uh the hardcore match and then the uh David Starr Mercedes Martinez match very early on the week. I think I watched them both last Wednesday or Tuesday. And they held they held up over almost a full week's worth of other matches, almost 12 hours worth of wrestling that I got to see, and those two still stood out that much. That's impressive. You know what I was thinking, so, bro? What's up? As we gear to the end of the year, because we're already on that path, once we get to year's end, you should compile all your top fives and come up with an ultimate top five of the year. Oh, God. I'm going to be... Uh, like You might want to start cataloging I'll have, I'll have that more. shit now. God, I'm gonna be gray hair. I'm gonna look like fucking Terry Funk if you do that to me. My God. Well, I'm gonna come out looking like Terry Funk and uh, uh, fucking Willie Nelson had a kid. That much gray hair. Oh my God, I'm gonna die. That's brutal. I'm gonna die. <laughs> but you know what? Sure, I'll give it a shot. Willie Funk. <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> Willie Funk. Willie Funk sounds like a. Oh God. Willie Funk sounds like a black exploitation actor, maybe. Oh, totally. Oh Jesus. Yep. Okay, oh. well, folks, guess what? Where do we go from there? <laughs> we're, Where do we go from there? We're only halfway through tonight's show. We're going to come back in a week's time and finish this for you folks, which is going to be interesting. Right. I'm not sure how exactly we're going to play that, but we'll, well figure you know, it out. Last week, this might last week we did be the, hot... the whole episode this week. I'm not sure how we're going to pull this because we'll only have a Raw, really, to cover before... Depends on what time we get to record next week, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. You're we'll right, see. though. Well, we'll see. Yo, yeah, we'll, we'll at least have Dark to talk about. We'll have Dark. We'll have Power. Fuck. I can always watch some, uh, some Beyond and some other shit in between. That's funny. Uh, there's Dark a Uncharted Territory tonight. Kind of opposing forces there. Yep. All right, well, folks. Well, I think that we're going to send it away to Future Us. Future Us, take it away. We had a hot tag to ourselves before. I think we're going to have a run-in now. Oh, yeah. Running in, baby. <laughs> and we are back. We've successfully hot tagged ourselves in once again. Welcome to the second half of Journey into Wrestling. That's season four, episode three. Is that right? Are we already on episode three or two? I think it is three, yeah. I can't believe that. That's crazy, man. How do we do it already? We're already so deep in this season. Yep, it's all been a month and a half, and it barely even feels like it. I know, there, but there's been so much wrestling. That's why these episodes are so much longer now. Definitely. It's like... So much wrestling, and uh, even outside the ring has been a lot crazier, too. Oh, man, and I think that's a lovely jumping-on point. Why don't we just get down to brass tacks, as it were, and not reach for the brass ring, per se. Yeah. <laughs> But let's talk about this crazy controversy, Buckles. What's been going on, man? What ha- like the internet kind of exploded over this past weekend, leading well, leading yeah, into the weekend. Yeah, it was. Really. Uh, it was, I believe, Sunday. I think it was. Yeah, it was definitely Sunday. Um, Jordan Miles, uh, erstwhile ACH, uh, if you followed him in uh, Ring of Honor or uh, New Japan prior, uh, he's been with WWE for a little under. I want to say under a year now, got, maybe even under eight, nine months. Got signed as a developmental, mm-hmm. worked in, came in NXT. The, came in, and he ended up getting the uh, rub as their winner of the first uh, breakout tournament. And, uh, you know, got the rub of uh, having the uh, match with Adam Cole to start off one of the very first USA 
or I think it was right before they went to USA, uh, got a real big push out of the gate, and uh, a little bit of controversy coming from him where uh, on, on Sunday, well, actually, let me back up just a quick second. Right before, uh, right when they went to USA, immediately following the USA debut, WWEshop.com uploaded uh, and put on sale a metric fuckload of new merch for NXT stars. It's a great measurement. Metric fuckload. Definitely. It's a lot. Metric fuckload. And most of them, it was almost laughable at first. Like the article, like when I got to look at them at first, there a lot of them were just flat out bad. Like they're, you can tell who had had shirt ideas in the past, like the Velveteen Dreams, the Undisputed Eras, the Johnny Gargano's of the world. But they decided that everyone on the roster was going to get a shirt. And most of them are this this slapdash, high school, fucking, let's see what we have in the clip art. Throw that on there with a name. I was going to say Microsoft clip art, and you said it right then and there. Some of them are just absolutely fucking terrible, make no sense. Some of them are just really bad graphic design shit. Like, stuff doesn't match up with gimmicks at all. But Jordan Miles had a shirt in that. And... I think it kind of flew under the radar at first, like right away, because it was included in with the other shirts that were so damn bad. But about a month later, on Sunday, he comes out with a tweet out of nowhere with a picture of his shirt, which uh, I've actually got a picture of it on the, or a link to it on uh, the Facebook page. It is a black shirt, matte black shirt, with a red background kind of a semicircle, and then Jordan Miles in white lettering, looking for all the world like a pair of big red lips and big white teeth. Jim Crow and days, my friend. Any, if you look at it for more than three seconds, it looks for all the world like blackface. And he goes to Twitter with it, talking about how offended he is, how upset he is, and not going to stand for it. And first glance, that was it. I mean, there it's a he gets people behind him. Oh shit! WWE looks bad for this. This is a terrible thing. And really, it is. I mean, it's when you look at it, it is a very uncomfortable thing to see. It's an it's a freaking Al Jolson, you know. Old school 1913 Betty Boop, freaking racist as hell, blackface. Man, and his page is just exploding with tweets. There's so much right. stuff going on. That's the thing is it, it, if that had been it, you know, it's a bad look for WWE. You know, Miles gets some credibility out of it, gets some people behind him, hopefully makes a positive change from it and sees some nice, you know, a nice cultural change in it. That'd be it. But, as with most things, that's not the end of it. Um, I want to say less than 24 hours later, WWE releases a statement uh, actually addressing it and saying that, hey, we uh, we showed him the shirt ahead of time and he okayed it. And as soon as he said anything about it, we took it off sale immediately. No mention of wrongdoing, no apologies or anything, just saying, no, well, he already okayed it, so we're off the hook. Miles... Um, and a couple tweets that he's since deleted 
probably for the best, but uh, you can't delete anything in this day and age without somebody seeing it first. Um, goes, doubles down on this and goes kind of nuclear with it and says, like, posts an actual email from somebody at WWE Creative uh, with the email address and everything intact so you can see it, which is really a bad idea already, um, saying that he had been shown a couple different ideas and uh, had not had given his okay on the idea but hadn't seen it yet. And uh, that Triple H and a bunch of others thought it was funny, so they wanted to leave it. And then he goes on and just kind of goes on this diatribe against uh, Jay Lethal and calls him a quote-unquote Uncle Tom, which is almost as bad in its own way. And saying, you know, you were never there for me and you... He's got some kind of beef that I, I honestly don't know all of. Got to be ROH Lethal. carryover for sure. Right. Um, and just kind of goes way out of left field to, to attack Jay Lethal, who hasn't said a word about it. And suddenly the narrative is changing a little bit. Now you have people commenting back and going, well, you know, you had a valid point, but you're not going about this the right way. Now you just look crazy. You know, he's just overreacting. Uh, in the last 24 hours, you've had guys like Titus O'Neil weighing in and saying, you know, is it offensive? Yes, it is offensive. It is patently offensive. This is 100% something that we are against, you know, as an African-American culture. However, directly talking to Jordan Miles, he's going, you know, you need to rein it in because you're doing yourself a disservice by looking this bad at it. You have uh, uh, Booker T came out this morning and kind of towed the company line a little bit and saying, like, didn't come out of, from the what I've read, didn't say specifically that it was, he was something he was offended by, but kind of took Miles to task for blowing it up on Twitter. You know, he's, you know, handle this, handle your business and handle it the right way and don't put it on social media. I mean, all you got to do is you call your boss, you say, hey, man, can we fucking chat? Right. And you go, look. And then uh, the last thing that I had seen was Miles put out a pretty long um, uh, Instagram post and went off a bit. He, uh, first of all, said that he had been very disrespectful and very uh, inappropriate in his uh, terminology and had was coming from a place of anger, but then didn't really apologize for anything. He's like, you know, this is I'm not going to be anything but angry. This is what I am. I've worked too hard to not be angry and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just goes off on this weird, like, I'm not going to say patting himself on the back, and I'm not going to say that he won't admit to overreacting. I don't, Really, he's not necessarily even overreacting, but won't admit to... He admits to being disrespectful, but doesn't seem to care. I've actually got the entire uh, post right here. If you yeah, if you want to go ahead and read it, it. I can't. I can't paraphrase it well enough. Sure, it says uh, my tweets yesterday were completely disrespectful and were unprofessional. I have offend a ton of people and used anger to fuel me. With that being said, I'd like to take this time to state an apology for not giving a shit about what others think of me. The anger I have inside of me has been built up for years now. Call me what you want, but you'll never be able to call me fake. 
I've been lied to, used, often mistreated by others who I viewed as associates. I've tiptoed around, kept quiet, even took some L's when necessary. Emotionally charged up due to the shirt which triggered past emotions. I'm never going to be sorry for being me, nor will I take back my words. I'm a damn professional wrestler in the world and universe today. My ribs are touching and I'm tired of waiting. Time to snatch plates from those that have been eating far too long and always get seconds while guys like myself have to eat crumbs from the floor like an unwanted child. For four years, I gave my all to promotion only to find out that you can only reach so high just as long as you don't surpass certain quote-unquote people. I've never begged for anything. I've never kissed no ass, nor ru did rub elbows with the right people to get ahead. I hustled, worked hard. I didn't call Hunter every day to get booked in New Japan or in New Japan for wrestling. I earned it. I've always wanted to be the guy and of no one... I think he meant to say if. And if no one will allow me to be in that spot I shall blaze my own trail to that spot rather it be by the approval of others or not today I shall continue to go the distance today I shall leave move this he did not spell check this shit y'all no today he did I not. shall be moving forward today I shall rise up from my past ashes like a dark phoenix and promote change in this industry remember these words I am the best in the world and no man or woman will stop me from being honest go the distance and like, the sad thing is that he's there are, there are points where he has very valid reasoning. Like, I honestly do. I see where he's coming from as far as being angry, and I, I mean, obviously, I understand why he's offended in the first place. But he is just. I, I saw somebody that actually had a uh, a really good analogy for it. He is not picking his targets when he's getting angry. He's just blindly firing at anything that moves. Yeah, and hoping and, that he doesn't hit the wrong thing, and he's consistently right. been hitting the wrong thing. Right. Like, and, ugh. And the, the real sad thing about it, and I hate to say this because, like, I again, I do kind of feel for the guy, but by reacting the way that he has, and I'm not going to... He's got every right to feel angry, and I don't blame him for feeling angry. But like coming off half cocked, he's taking away from his original argument, at least to me. I agree, and I think that, like I was saying, there there are better ways to handle this situation. You call Hunter up and you say, mm -hmm. "Hey, man, this isn't right. Can we can we rectify this situation?" And and if if you have concerns that there's gonna you're gonna be met with some sort of resistance or backlash, record the fucking well, here's, phone here's call. The kind of so thing you have like um, some proof of what again. You I read it. I need to actually send you an article. That's I really this his morning. concern. Um, guy that did a just a fan shot on cage side seats about um and this is going to be an interesting subject to go through but um but the black uh culture in wrestling and you know the idea that he's not going about it the right way well i mean there's a lot of people who have gone about it quote unquote the right way and had nothing from it like there is I can understand why he wouldn't be as likely to go to, or even if you go to WWE and go about what would initially be considered the right way. Look at WWE's history. You have pretty much every African-American athlete and wrestler that's come through WWE in the last 20 years has been a dog and pony show, at least to a degree. 
I mean, you are wrong. You have history of of DX doing blackface. You have, you know, sexual chocolate Mark Henry. You have the Godfather. You have um, Booker T losing to Triple H in a race angle. You have uh, Vince, you know, using the wrong terms in front of people. Uh, oh my you God, have, the John Cena moment. Yeah. Oh man, I just like as soon as you said that, I was like, "What is he?" Oh, that's what he means. You have Michael Hayes telling Mark Henry at one point that he thinks he's, or I think it was Mark Henry, that Michael Hayes thought he was blacker than Mark Henry was. It, it's the it's hell. Well, Hayes is a messed up dude in his own way. I'm but, not a fan of Michael Hayes, by the way. Spoiler. No. Alert. Well, like WWE's history speaks for itself in a way. I mean. You got to look at the only really successful African American act to come out in WWE in the last five years was the New Day, and that's got nothing to do with WWE's pushing them. That was them doing it themselves. Oh, totally. That's they. They're made men. They made themselves. Sure, WWE well, I mean, gave them a platform, but they figured out how to run the gamut and did it well. You know. Well, do you remember what their original gimmick was? Oh, they were heels with suits and. They were they were fucking southern ba- or southern gospel. Yeah. Yes. They were gospel preachers. It was terrible. Like uncomfortably bad. And they were like, let's scrap this dumb shit. Exactly. Man. Or you have uh and that's honestly why the Kofi Mania thing was so big. How many how many black wrestlers did you see coming out as soon as Kofi won the title back at Mania this year and saying how much it meant to them to see it? And, how, like, you have guys like MVP that are openly crying watching it. Oh, God, I remember watching that. That was an yeah. amazing moment, for sure. And how much that meant. And then they deuced him out in nine seconds. They couldn't even make him look like a threat, whereas guys like Balor or Styles or or Daniel Bryan or Rollins were all considered threats. I wonder if Kofi like, just said, fuck it, if I'm going to do the job, I'm not spending a lot of time on it, especially for a fucking part-time champ. Not no offense. I, I don't necessarily see. I I don't see Kofi being that way. Like he wants to put out the best show he can, but Kofi has always been a company guy, and even when he's been upset with WWE, he still put his. He he will be loyal to the brand that he got his start with. So if that's what they wanted to have happen, he's willing to do what's needed. Kofi's always been a stand-up guy, so that that is that strikes me as more likely what happened. It's sad that you could but sit here like, and list the num the like you could list yeah. the name of pro wrestlers WWE has mishandled who are African American. Right. right. Your Titus O'Neils, I mean, your uh Darren Young's, your uh um, Your Crime Austin time. Creed. Not Austin Creed, um what's his name? Apollo Creed. Xavier Woods. Oh yeah. Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz. I Damn. You only uh, look no farther than Crime Time, for God's sake. Crime Time, yeah, absolutely another great example. Uh, Virgil, I mean, Virgil is like essentially a slave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without calling uh, him that, Jesus. You know how long ago was it that we had Lashley's sisters? Oh my God, you that's know? not even been two years. Right. I don't even know if it's been so, a year. That's how bad and bizarre that angle is. And it's like, right. honestly, man, I'm, I'm just going to kind of come out here and say it. The back half of this podcast, 
I don't think we're going to really spend any time on WWE other than this one topic. It's not, not like really. Raw or SmackDown had anything right. to write home about. It's it's just an it's an interesting thing right now that it's kind of sad. It's it's a good good thing to see somebody bringing it to light. It's good good to see Miles, you know, standing his ground and and standing up for what he believes in and against something that is at least in my eyes is blatantly racist whether they intended it for it or not. I don't think they did, but it is extremely insensitive and stupid that it got as far as it did. Absolutely. But he's you know it's it's good to see that he is opening people's eyes to the idea that there is a problem there whether it's intentional or not but i kind of feel for the guy because he's so he's so angry and admittedly so angry that he's just torpedoing him himself to do so i mean it's going to sound like a, bla- a a bad terminology to use, but he's blacklisting himself in the industry. He really is. Because he's painting like, himself into a really, really bizarre corner here where, now listen, sure, you attack Jay Lethal, and right now he's an ROH, but he's friends with the Bucks. What's to say when his contract's up someday he isn't in AEW? And then I'm, what's to say... I'm he- not 100% on that, actually. I think they've got some kind of beef with him stemming from ROH, actually. Really? I don't know. I've heard that in comments today. I don't know. I don't know anything behind that. Huh. But apparently, he's had issues with the Bucks uh, at ROH. The when he in his uh, Instagram he mentions uh, Hunter. That's not in regards to Triple H. That's in regards to Delirious, the head booker at ROH. Oh. Um, New Japan booked him for shows, but never actually signed him. So he there are some some past issues that he's apparently had with people you know maybe not major 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 issues but apparently there are some i guess some some wounds that haven't quite healed over with him but the fact is that he's showing that he is going to go after anyone and who anyone he feels like and he's going to make himself damn near unhirable it's going to paint him into that for sure uh yeah you know and the one thing too is like he's like he could have been a martyr in this in a good way, and I and I don't don't take misquote my words. But what I mean by that is like no, I, I got you. He called to light this really stupid indiscretion from the WWE. They have people who literally make designs all the time. And you didn't have anybody who checked over and went, "That's kind of a bad idea," or "Hey, man, even I the, love that idea, but release, why don't yeah. we change the." The, the red to black and put it on a red shirt or change the red to white, put black lettering and put it on right. a white shirt. Right. You know, any other and combination. As soon as you sent me the picture before I even clicked the link, I knew what the fuck was about to happen. Right. Because I could see it from a million miles away how racist it looked. And the sad thing is, even with their statement regarding it, there's no apology there. There's no, oh, yeah, that's racist. We're sorry. We fucked up. It's... Uh yeah, sorry you got offended, man. Plausible deniability, bro. They can't if they say it's if they admit that it's racist, then it was racist. But if they just play it right. off like, oh, this guy got offended. Oops, we need to just be nice and right. kind. They don't take any so, any real responsibility there. And I mean, not to get political on this show, but I'm just saying, somebody who is affiliated with the WWE is in Trump's cabinet. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. I mean, uh, I honestly think my favorite thing was the. The absolute BS 
reasoning they came up for why they picked that design. Did you hear that? I, they said they they wanted to they wanted it to look like a Rolling Stones thing. I do remember they wanted it to that, look yeah. like the Rolling Stones lips logo. Get the fuck out of town. That is no way, shape, or form what you were thinking with that. Try harder because it didn't resemble that even closely. Yeah. That's that's you trying to cover your own ass, and I'm not buying that. Sorry. I think the other thing that's bothersome is that he allegedly approved the design with a gray background on the shirt. Right. And then it got switched to a black. Like, right. What's up with that? If that really is and the case, because this is some of this is conjecture based on his angry tweeting, and I, re- mm-hmm. I I was reading it all as it was unfolding initially, and as you said, some of those posts have been taken down. Right. Uh, but I just. All in all, this is a shitty situation. It's a shit sandwich. It is. And, and there's no real No one winner, comes out looking better ultimately. for it. No. And, and then they, they top it all off with, uh, yeah, we've had a racist issue over the weekend, so what are we going to do on Tuesday, on Monday? Hey, uh, let's try it out Hogan. First out, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Ugh. You're right. There's not much to speak of from uh, SmackDown and Raw this week. They were both... Uh, Oh God! SmackDown was a chore to get through. Raw, Raw was slightly better, I guess. Maybe it was less Rawful. But, ugh, I, Rawful, is, yeah. That's the Monday Night Rawful is probably the best way to describe it anymore. <laughs> I honestly, when that main event angle came out, and they, if your main event is goddamn Jerry Lawler hosting Divorce Court with Lana and Rusev. I I gave it like 15 seconds and then muted the TV. I couldn't stand it. That I've watched entire, WWE long enough that I've entire storyline uh, bothers me to no end. I've watched some shit from them. I've watched some absolute garbage TV from them. It takes a lot for me to actively turn it off because eh, I have nothing better to do with my time. It's like watch but, wrestling, sure. Honestly, I had to mute that. That was so, so goddamn bad. And now they've taken a cuckold angle and turned it into a sex addict and someone's cheating. And I, I honestly, the best thing about it was that uh, after the low blow and Lashley and Lana kissing over the prone body of, of Rusev, you can clearly hear the crowd's dead. You could clearly hear somebody in the crowd just scream, This is weird. <laughs> it's great. Oh, that's awesome. Uh honestly, I, I one of my friends commented back, he's like, Man, now they just need to show that he was cheating on uh cheating on Lana with Summer Ray. I'm like, Yeah, wait me when he throws a fish up the ramp again. Oh my god. Because that's where this is going. When uh Rusev throws a dead fish halfway up the entrance ramp. I remember that. Ugh. You know what's it's, interesting? It's I, 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 I want to uh, slightly transition. You actually gave me a decent little segue here. People yelling <laughs> when it's quiet in wrestling. Okay? Yeah. Because it happened in power as well. Yeah, it did. Because I can't. I think, I think it was Aaron Stevens was giving his interview, and he said something. Like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to beat him. And someone in the crowd just went, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, power being a studio show, you hear everything in there. Totally true. Totally true. And I loved to episode four of uh, of power. Uh, you you caught it? 
Yeah, tonight's episode, yeah. Yeah, well, yesterday's if you're listening to us in real time oh, that's here. True. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, power this week. Give some rapid thoughts. What did you think? Uh, honestly, my favorite thing of the entire night was um, actually the Aaron Stevens match where he loses on a – I want to say it was either a roll-up or a, a, a bridge. I think it was a roll-up. It was a schoolboy roll-up. And it just it's in the crowd, just no, no, no. And the crowd can hear him clearly because, again, they're in his studio, and the crowd's just chanting yes back at him. So that went on for a good probably 45 seconds of him just no, yes, no, yes. Well, then a couple people tried I, to get smart in the crowd and went no to see right. if he would go yes, and then he was like, no, trying to pull the no. trying to pull the bugs, buddy. You can kind of tell he laughed a little bit, but honestly, uh, the cool thing from from uh, Power tonight and something that's kind of missing in a lot of a lot of wrestling, especially in WWE, is stakes. Uh, the main event tag match of uh, Colt Cabana, uh, Nick Aldis, and uh, Ken Anderson versus uh, James Storm and the uh, the Wild Cards actually had stakes to it. It did have you stakes, had, uh, and I loved the stakes. There was even a, there was a nice setup to it. There's uh, callbacks. Basically, the stakes were that if uh, if uh, Aldis's team won, Cabana would get a shot at the uh, North American or the is it National Heavyweight Championship? Yep, the national title, and which uh, Storm is currently holding. And if Storm's team won, he would challenge Aldis for the main title, but would have to forfeit the uh, national title just to, so he had something to lose in it. Which is fucking brilliant. It mattered. It made the uh, the match definitely way more impactful. And I know we're going to be right. probably talking about it in a little bit. Um, as the we, only the only what's up the only argument I have for uh, for power right now is I can't figure out what they're trying to do with Aldis. With like Aldis, I, I can't figure he, out if they're he, trying to paint him as a as a face or a heel. I think he's like, almost he, anti-hero. Like I don't anti-hero is a bad term. But he's like anti face, I guess. He's a he's kind of a tweener. And I think that's the, the new Norman wrestling. It might be. Uh, that's a tough road to hoe for a, if you're making the majority of your people like that. But there it's it's so much that they're presenting him. It's not his actions, it's the way they're presenting him. Because they show him doing the interviews and doing the promos where he's talking about the, the title and how important it is. And he's interacting with the face teams and doing what you would expect a face wrestler to do. But then his whole thing with uh, Camille and, you know, going back and forth with that, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, the guy doing the interviews with him. Joe Golly, the, uh, I think? clickbait or... guy. Yeah, Joe Golly. Um, he comes off as a heel. And beat a prick to him, basically. And there is still an element of why is he not letting uh, Camille speak, which is extremely heelish, if that's the case. So, like, you have a guy that I'm assuming I'm being told to take as a face and take as the hero of the story, but in reality is a bit of a chauvinist or something. Like, it's a really weird dichotomy. I kind of like it, though, because it get, look at what it's doing. It's created enough mystery that we're actually speaking about character choice right. of a professional wrestler. Not just like, oh, right. well, they're writing Roman as the face now. So he's, I mean, he's obviously the fucking That's face. True. But 
it's making Nick Aldis, who, again, I've described as bland as dishwater, as being interesting. So that is definitely saying something. Yeah, and it's it's cool because it could set up a feud with Nick Aldis and Camille, and maybe they do intergender matches at some point if the title's off of him. I think right now he's kind of your golden pony. You do want to keep the belt on him as long as you can. Right. Um, especially as right now you're building your momentum with power is a very impactful right. show. Definitely. Uh, definitely. You know, we had a Trevor Murdoch match, and I've mentioned how I love him. Uh, we had Ricky Starks with the Aaron Stevens match. One thing I want to mention is mm-hmm. it was on a fake slap. Right. And Aaron was Good like, character no, work and, Yeah. I like that uh, Stevens is kind of playing a mashup of the original Damian Sandow and Damian Mizdow. Yes, absolutely. It's like a, it's like a, it's like the interbreeding of those two characters come to like this right. perfect form of himself. He did stuff with Impact for a time, didn't he? He did. Uh, he had a almost like a Liberace type gimmick that was very odd. Yeah, I, I remember. Um, Unfortunately, I remember. I was back in the time when they had their. I think it was the Grand Championship that actually had rounds and judges. It was very, very strange. Yeah, but oh, again, yeah. that's also that was also the Billy Corgan era of Impact. Yeah, uh, and I think that's why you see a lot of Impact wrestlers on NWA is because his connection back with Impact. Absolutely, and uh, to touch on one other thing involving that six man, no offense because he's one of my faves, one of my dudes, one of my all time favorite wrestlers, just because I loved his gimmick so goddamn much. Mister Ken Anderson needs to hit the gym, bro. You know, I noticed that too. He looks sluggish. No offense. And well, it looks I, like he's got a I little beard gut been, going on there. I don't think he's been doing anything since he left Impact. Like I don't know that he's still been wrestling. So this may be a bit of a comeback for him, possibly. Well, if he's trying to steal Cabana's gimmick, <laughs> he needs to lay off. Well, honestly, I the thing is though is he, I kind of noticed this too. He doesn't he doesn't have the the six pack or whatever. But look at all the other guys on that show. Murdoch sure as hell doesn't. Uh, Stevens looks a little flabby around the gut. Um, you've got guys like Tim Storm, who's built like a brick shit house, but wouldn't really stand out in WWE. But he stands out there because he is so cut up. Absolutely. Like you have guys that are little, a little bit like more of the um, uh, how to put it. They look less like bodybuilders, more like offensive linemen. No less powerful, but definitely got not the uh, bodybuilder physique. Nailed it. I have a question. So I think Anderson, he kind of fits in in his own way. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a question for you before I, we stray super far from power, because I feel like it's about to happen. Sure. Because we, we have a lot on our brain, and we're a little tangential tonight. Uh, sure. Is it just me, or was that fucking match between Homicide Kingston and the Dawson's really brutal? You know, I th- I noticed the same thing. Um, for only really being chair shots and a few decent chair spots, it really did feel a little more violent. I think that's... I don't think the match itself was that violent. I think it's the contrast with everything else. You didn't see a lot of that kind of matches... In the original NWA. And we still really haven't. Right. And because of that, it does stand out a lot more. It's the only time I think we've seen a chair used so far. 
through, I guess, four episodes now. Um, and again, the studio, you pick up sound a lot more. So the chair shots sound a lot nastier. And I, you hear them, you hear people actually yelling and selling a lot more than what you would in an arena show. Absolutely. And one thing I noticed, I even mentioned to Sarah because she was watching a little bit of power with me. I was like, these chairs aren't fucking given, man. Like, right. Those are those are actual proper folding fucking chairs. Right. Not not the black prop chair company. Right. That, no offense, but AEW and WWE must have the same provider of chairs. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, listen, Eddie Kingston did a fucking he did what they did a back body drop through it was uh, a double a suplex. tower of chairs with a chair in between the chairs and yeah, it, it was a double budge. suplex. Yeah. It sounded awful. It sounded it really did bad. And uh, yeah, I, I think it a it speaks to Kingston and Homicide are known for those kind of matches. So they're they're in their element with them, but I think it's a combination of you can actually hear it a lot better than what you would normally. So you it sounds a lot more violent, and because it's so drastically different than everything else on that show, you take notice of it a little more. I agree. So far, I think this is my favorite episode of Power. I still, honestly, I got to go with the first one, the first episode more. It was special. Just because, yeah, it's special, and the Tim Storm story has a lot more uh, gravity behind it than anything they've done really since. But the fact that they're, I like the stakes going in with James Storm. Um, so I think they're definitely getting, got something they're building too. I think they're going to have Cabana win the title, but it's going to be a screw job by Aldis. Could be. Because it's that's the sensible way to give Cabana the title back, and it plays into his kind of like quasi-heel character that he's playing right now, which it didn't really right. seem like when he debuted back uh, at the episode two of Power that he was really heelish, but now it kind of seems he's more aligning himself that way. So James Storm loses I think he's, the title to all because of all this, and then that will absolutely set them up to go head to head. Right. I think there's definitely something in there. I think uh, Tim Storm is being relegated more to the tag team division. I do think you're going to have an Eli Drake, you know, kind of warming his way into the title picture at some point. Um, but really, it just depends on how many more people they can get for that show. Right now, the roster is still pretty small, so they need to not overdo a lot of different feuds at the moment because they may not have as many varieties to put up with, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. You can't stretch your roster too thin and have too many different uh, threads being woven, or you're not going to have any fucking canvas to cover. Exactly. Uh, But I I think they're getting there. I think they've got a definitely solid base, and... Just on their presentation of their show alone, they're not going anywhere really quickly. They're not going anywhere soon. No, I think it's like they're not going it's down hot. anywhere. People I are say. into it, right? The fucking rock likes it. I, I have to ask one final thing about powers. You know, I love the presentation. I love the the old school vibe. I love the uh, the studio setting and everything. Hell, I even like Cornette. What the fuck is going on with those commercials, dude? They are gimmick commercials. That's the whole thing. They really are. But they're so fucking weird. It's I, like it's it's like watching Southpaw again. And I think it's that's kind of the play that they're taking is it's a, it's a mixture of that idea that Southpaw did or that WWE did with their Southpaw thing 
Right. But then, like, also you look at old school wrestling promotions would have commercials, and they're yeah. on YouTube where you're not going to have an actual commercial come on because it would kind of take you out of it. Which I don't know how they're monetizing that, but whatever. No, I'm not there. I well, Corgan's got enough money to throw at it right now. Exactly, so I think that's exactly. Kind of what they're pumpkins did very well in their careers. Um, no, I think they're hoping they're trying to use the success of the show to try to get it a TV deal. I think they might have a good case for a TV deal. Depends on who's willing to pick them up. TBS I think it's definitely got TBS. You think TBS? Because I think. AEW is kind of already working in tandem with NWA, and I don't mean they're like actually working side by side, but you know that's true. They have AEW Dark held. and NWA Power come out on the same day, and they aren't head to head with each other. They're in succession. They've also, I mean, held Cody with the Cody Aldis match at All In, and then uh, Cody Aldis again at NWA seventy. That's right. Or something, yeah, I think it was. You know that could be. I could see that now. You're thinking about it. Yeah. I mean. If you really want to put the bricks to McMahon, especially now that, I mean, we haven't even talked about this yet, but AEW last week beat SmackDown ratings. Yeah. Yes, they did. And matter of fact, uh, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I know SmackDown was on FS1 last week, but did just awful numbers. Not even a million from their right. 4 million debut with Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. And sure, like you said, on FS1, sure, you're going up against the Game 5 of the World Series where the president got booed out of the fucking building and all this other crazy shit, women flashing her titties and all this stuff. It's almost as if we're back in <laughs> 1998 and the Attitude Era of baseball? That's weird. Yeah. I'll take it. But uh, with all those things that you're competing with, honestly, it's hard for SmackDown to really get the rating, but... AEW's not letting up. People are still, I mean, the margin of fans that are dropping off is not a number to be alarmed at. It's kind of average until something really big pops to even draw them in even more. Right. Uh, a, another moment, uh, a shock. These are, right now we're in the slow building phase of this company. So, and, and especially now with how much traction Dark is getting. I got to say, I, th- I love the ballsiness of them rerunning uh Dynamite on Friday. With extra footage. With extra footage, but they reran it against where SmackDown would have been. And now, so let me ask this. Going, is well, that the rating they're quoting that beat SmackDown, or are they taking from Wednesday's rating? I honestly don't know. I think it was just Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday's. But the fact that FS1 decided to air WWE instead of Fox because they didn't want to go up against the, the, the World Series... And AEW goes, eh, fuck it, we'll do it. And did well. We're going to even re-show something that we've already shown, and we're still going to do well with it. That says a, that says a lot for the, what TNT thinks of AEW and what a, into AEW is still willing to push, which I think is really cool. I absolutely 100% concur with that thought. Because I will say... I will say I didn't get to see the extra footage though. I uh, managed to turn it. I flipped over to it too late to see it. I'm pretty sure it's just uh, Kenny comes out and talks unfinished business with Moxley. After Mox, DDT's the ref, and then there's like kind of a standoffy bit. And I think they th- might have thrown weapons at each other, like chairs or something. Or he he doesn't go to hit Moxley. 
Moxley leaves, gotcha. and then Hangman comes out and challenges Pac for something. That's right. Okay. So we got Mox. At least you have Hangman Pac again at full gear. Most likely, I would say that's what's going to happen. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. We'll officially get that match that never happened officially. At right. Du- was that double or nothing that was supposed to happen? It was supposed to be a double or nothing. Um, and then uh, Pac backed out of it because he didn't want to take a loss while he was still the Dragon Gate champ. And uh, they re-ran it. They ran it back finally at the very the first episode of Dynamite. Um, and uh, with uh, Pot coming away with the win. Yeah, which was a good-ass match. Uh, yes, it was. We talked about it. Um, quick segue into Dark real quick. Sure. I love the fact that Dark, not only are they presenting the Dark segments and the, the uh, was it, undesirable to undeniable thing which is kind of neat in its own way but they're actually using it to hype up dynamite as well they announced the matches for dynamite on dark tonight it's it's really smart marketing it is and like saying and i'm excited i'm even more excited AEW for dark dynamite now. tomorrow yep and i'm excited even more so for dark now yeah and it's really cool because you'll get for to actually dynamite, witness rather. dark live i'm i'm stoked i can't wait i'm guessing it's probably like one or two matches before the main card seems like the it. main card and there's probably like one go home match and then that's dark because usually three or four matches thinking so uh so uh what did you think of dark tonight man i loved it we're gonna definitely get into that a little bit later as well i know there were only three matches tonight mm-hmm. two of those three matches made and you guys aren't even ready for this my top five I can't tell you, he's been messaging me. He's ex- very excited about the fact that he has the top five tonight. I can't believe I did it, though. I, like, I don't I'm excited, I'm excited to hear it. wrestling top fives, you know? I'm stoked to hear it. Do you want to go ahead and do that now, or do you want to wait until after we uh, talk about Dark? Let's talk about Dark, because th- that way we can kind of, and then we can we can filter our way through this. But um, sure, three matches on Dark, you had uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss versus Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. Uh, that was a weird one. It was a weird one, and I get why they put that match together. I really do. First of all, Peter Avalon and Sonny Kiss have had several matches in AEW. They have. In in variations, much like we were talking with NWA Power, even though there is a bigger roster, you want people to be able to have kind of a camaraderie and be able to work with these certain right. people. You also have Dustin, who is a bona fide star again in AEW. Right. Give Sonny Kiss actually, that rub uh, of Dustin. I actually really like JR's line about, uh, about Dustin about midway through the match that with AEW not uh, running matches every night of the week, not doing a house show schedule, it's giving, it's helping Dustin extend his career a little bit more so he's not wearing out quicker than some of the younger guys. Absolutely. That's fucking brilliant and true. Yeah, and when he works a match, you can see he's fresh, he's having fun. Oh, God, he's having the time of his it's life. It's almost like he's, like he's always smiling in the ring. I noticed that, especially yep. with this. But he is the original freak of wrestling. I mean, I'm just going to be real with oh, it. Oh, yeah. He is the king of cross-dressing and, and being totally bizarre and out there and different in the early 90s and whatnot with his original Definitely. form of gold dust. So he can go, here, look. Sonny Kiss is a real human who's using his real-life shit, who he really is, in front of you people. Right. Don't be shitty, because I was a fucking weirdo, too, and mine was just an act. 
and you liked it. Right. That's very true. Don't shit on him for being real. Love it. Own it. That's very true. I mean, and I'm sure, listen, I know it's definitely got to be difficult for some of the guys that go to these AEW events. They're very masculine and whatnot. They see Sonny Kiss. They immediately, deep down, are for some reason questioning their sexuality and staring at that ass for some reason. I mean, and they're just like, what's going on? Why is my brain doing this? And they and they get mad and they don't want to cheer. And I'm just like, you know, look the, at the athleticism. The, funny thing, the thing to me with Sonny Kiss is I actually got my first experience with him on Lucha Underground. Uh, he was in the very last season of Lucha Underground as uh, Exolicious. Same, I mean, virtually the exact same character. But it fit more in with that because um, what you just mentioned of having that uber masculine and you're you know you don't like that kind of thing and you're not supposed to like that kind of thing it's a man's sport you look at lucha libre they have a tradition known as exoticos where it is guys in drag wrestling uh, goofy matches or wrestling the same kind of stuff that you'd see santino in wwe doing or colt cabana doing in new japan but it's guys in drag and they call them exoticos and it's a time-honored tradition there and that's that's uh, when he did Lucha Underground. Sunny Kiss fit right in. So I mean, it's like it's it's all in how it's presented. And Lucha Libre and Lucha Underground never presented it as any less than hey, that's just what that dude wants to do. Cool. And I think that's really neat to see that that's what uh, what AEW is kind of going along those lines. Like hey, just because he's different doesn't mean he's ain't less. Celebrate him for what he is. Have fun. Exactly. And I think especially in this time now where, I mean, Nyla Rose is kind of getting over as well. People, she is. People are starting to understand. She is. Like, the inclusiveness and how cool this can be. Like, everybody can have a right. spot in wrestling. Everyone loves wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the most important and most, like, prominent thing we need to take away from that. So we had that match, which... You know, spend a nice little chunk of time on it. It was a, it was a good match. I will say, being the elite needs to figure one tiny thing out. What's that? They need to figure out how not to spoil AEW dark matches on their show Monday. Really? Two weeks in a row, I've known who was going to win in AEW dark just because of tiny little segments. And happenstance, both of those segments featured one of the librarians. Honestly, I could probably do without the librarian's gimmick entirely like that thing it's just dying a death it's really weird because i love time peter avalon as the as the i actually really like the idea of them both i'm a fan i'm not gonna lie like i'm like yes like i like avalon as a wrestler he's a good heel he actually reminds me a lot of we talked about him earlier about aaron stevens uh reminds me a lot of him and it might be the robe i don't know <laughs> but uh i just the gimmick itself is they did it in the 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 dark matches or not dark matches the uh, kickoff matches for like all all in and fire or not all in but uh, double or nothing and fighter fest and all that and got crickets and not because they're being shushed because the crowd just did not give a shit and it's one of those things that I think they're I don't know like it feels like they want to keep pushing it because they know it's not getting over. And they're almost kind of too clever by half. Like they just want to keep pushing it because it's an inside joke now. Well, let me but, let me fuel that theory uh, just a little bit further. Do you know the origin of this whole librarians with an S? Because there's two of them 
I know it came from uh, being the elite. I know it came from the two of them arguing over who was the librarian. Well, essentially, it's that's three because the, the young bucks, Matt and Nick, decided that I can't remember her name, Leva. Leva Bates, yeah. Okay, was going to be the librarian, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, you're picking me!" And I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." And they're like, "Sincerely giving this lady the librarian." And then I want to say it was Kenny or Cody or Hangman, I'm not sure, told Peter Avalon he got the librarian gimmick. So then they were both, like, initially warring. But there was an episode of Being the Elite. God, it was, like, maybe the episode after they announced both of them were going to be the librarians where the hard open was them talking about how smart this gimmick was. And even if it took five years, they were going to pay it off because it was good shit. They were making fun of Vince, obviously. Right. But they might be doing some sort of weird long-term it, fucking storyline. Like I said, I, I, it, it feels a little bit, like I said, a little too clever by half, kind of like they're almost outwitting. Like, they think it's funnier than it is. I don't know. But if if that's the worst thing that I've got to deal with on AEW, then I'm not going to complain. <laughs> if that's the worst gimmick I've got, that's still miles above Rusev as a sex addict. So, All right. Uh, I agree 100%, by the way. And I say that a lot with you because you're on the same brainwave as me. But the, I will take the librarians any day over Rusev and Bobby Lashley storyline we got right now. Just saying. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Second much, match yes. on the AEW Dark card tonight was Penelope Ford, uh, Emi Sakura, uh, Sadie Gibbs, and Allie in a fatal four way or four corners mm-hmm. match. I guess you'd call it. You can't call it a fatal four way. We're not in the WWE here. Uh, four corners match. No real stakes. Good ass match. I, I I liked it well enough. I I feel like uh, Penelope Ford is still really green. Like she's a irony. She was she's, green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally she's Janela's manager, and I know she's wrestled quite a bit, but she still feels like you can watch her, and she's you can see where she's plotting out what she's doing next. And it stands out a little bit more during the four person matches because there's so much going on. Um, and I've seen better from Allie before. Uh, she's actually really good in impact. Uh, my first time seeing Sadie Gibbs. So that was interesting. She's a big old girl. She's got like, some power. She's got a, she's a good hoss. They need some more of that. Really, honestly, the, the women's division in AEW is probably their weakest, but that's mostly because the name recognition really isn't there so much yet. Um, they didn't sign to Neil. So Dashwood. I think that's. Right, should have, and really, that's that's the benefit of having the four way matches like this. Is it gets more people out that you can see, which so Emi I think Sakura I think they definitely we've seen on AEW was mm-hmm. it regular TV. She faced Riho, right? Uh, yeah, it was a I want to say a ta- it was a tag match. It was her and Riho versus uh, no, it was uh, Riho and, and Britt Baker uh, versus Emi versus Sakura and someone. I think it may have been B Priestley. It was B Priestley. Nice, yeah. nice callback, brother. Um, oddly enough, you know who B Priestley is dating? Darby Allen. No, no, I don't know. Will Osprey. Who? Will Osprey. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. That's going to be an, some athletic ass kids at some point. For real. Well, our um, son Vincent here is only four, and he can do a quadruple backflip. Yeah. Into a cutter. Yeah, our, the, what? our son was born and he's just levitating, so. <laughs> um, 
no, like I like the match. I think they're uh, it was a little a little clunky at times, but I thought they all got in what they needed to. And I think that it did a good showcase on everybody. Yeah, I I will say I also kind of appreciated the ballsiness of all of the four and or three people moves. Like there was a moment where mm-hmm. they did a four person collar and elbow tie up. Start yeah, the match. Yeah, to start the matchup. Uh, yeah, but you also had that really cool triple submission moment where mm-hmm. you had Ali and uh, Penelope were in like a ground submission that were kind of locked in. Or no, it was Ali and. Uh, it was Allie and Penelope. No, it was Allie and uh, and Sadie Gibbs were in. Uh, I can't remember how they got down. They think it may have been a pinning combination. And Emmy and, turned uh, it Penelope, into a submission. Penelope turned it into almost a uh, like an elongated surfboard in a way. And then uh, uh, Emmy, or no, Emmy did. And then Penelope came in and made it a, a, a abdominal stretch over the top of it. It was very interesting. Again, mm-hmm. and and I, I I liked it. I was I was I was pretty thrilled with that match uh honestly there was a there was a spot in there that i have never seen that i thought was brilliant which it was um uh when emmy sakura put i think it was penelope in the uh romero stretch the romero special where you uh, yeah. land on your back you've got him bridged up surfboard and ally yeah the surfboard and ally comes in and dives right in between them and pender to try to get a pin that's genius i have I've seen that stretch so freaking many times. Never seen somebody try to do that, and it makes absolute sense. It was very smart. brilliant spot. It was pretty damn good. So, of course, the main event of the night, man. I don't know where your head's at about this match. I I was excited for it as soon as I heard it announced, and maybe not for the same reason that you would have been. <laughs> I was stoked to see Darby Allen again in any capacity. I'm stoked to see. Uh, Jimmy Havoc in a relaxed rules match of any kind. But the reason I sat up and took notice was Jack Evans in a singles match. Taking taking him out of the hybrid two for this singles right. competition, absolutely. And I thought he fit beautifully. Well, on, on real talk, I am a massive Jack Evans fan. You know, I wasn't exposed uh, to him until he started doing stuff with AEW even before officially, because I think they were a part of All In, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, him and Angelico are. I'm. I'm kind of new to them, but I'm quickly mm-hmm. becoming very fond. There was a really funny fucking moment in this match where Jack Evans screamed at uh, yep. Aubrey Irwin, like, "Do you not know how to count to three? Yep. And I just, just the way he said it, because it, it was so serious. It was like there wasn't a camera on, and no one was watching, he, and he was really fucking mad. And it was believable. here's the thing about. The thing about Jack Evans, I absolutely love the dude. He's been around forever. Like, legitimately. He was in PWG originally. He was in that, I can't ever remember the name of the show, the ill-fated, like, short promotion that uh, MTV ran. Oh, was that like day. XCW? Yeah. With uh, Teddy Hart being a big name in it. Jack Evans was big into that. Evans was in the original, uh, a couple of episodes of the original TNA. But he's been down in Mexico for years. And the dude is legitimately, I would put him up there with Osprey as one of the best high flyers on the planet. And can do shit that, his his body is like flexible as hell. He can do shit that I've not seen other people do. He's one of the, again, one of the best high flyers I've ever seen. And they gave him a bit of a 
kind of a bit part in Lucha Underground, which I'll talk about quite a bit. I love the show. But um, he and Angelico uh, have teamed together in Mexico for a long time. They separated him on Lucha Underground and had him run around with uh, Johnny Mundo or Johnny Impact or Johnny whatever the hell his last name is now, John Morrison's uh, faction. Johnny he's Circle. Just this, he's, God, his gimmick is just to go to whatever show and Johnny that. <laughs> yeah, he's Johnny Seriously, Johnny lately. Impact, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo. Um, but Evans actually is a hell of a trash talker. He's got great charisma. He's a great high flyer and underrated as hell. You saw a little bit of it tonight. The dude can sell like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Um, I've watched matches with him and Cassius Ono or while well, he was still wrestling as Chris Hero, that Hero would hit him with an elbow, and you would swear, like, instant CTE, like concussion syndrome, fucking death, neck broken, the guy would just flop like a dead fish. And he sells death so goddamn well. <laughs> um, that, uh, I can't remember what spot he took. Was it the, uh, the double underhook pile driver at one point? From a, I think it may have been a, maybe it was a chair shot. Something he took off of Havoc tonight that they even called attention to him being on the mat and just being dead eyed, uh, just done. I think that hap- did is that when that that happened outside the ring? Because he was by one well, of the, the cor- corners when he flopped down. He was laying on the he was laying on the apron. Okay, because uh, Jr. actually called it out. I'm trying to remember, I watched a but, lot of wrestling yeah, today, bro. There you go. Hello, hey, hello, hello, man. And like good wrestling, like two hours of raw yep. is a chore. You can't remember because it's bad. There's a lot of bad to, to wade through. When you watch these Real talk, these other programs, I to, it's so good. There's so much. You're just like, uh, what all happened? Yep. Real talk. I wanted to watch some more this weekend. I didn't get a chance to. After I went to a concert Saturday night, and I was completely you know jet lagged all day Sunday. Uh, I even took time off yesterday. Didn't go into work yesterday, and I still didn't get a chance to watch shit. I was too out of it. But uh, I actually have a couple shows I'm wanted to and plan on watching of uh, from Beyond and a couple other promotions. But man, you got more in than I did this week, I think. Yeah, I dove pretty deep and and um, to to quote you, real talk, I injured myself uh, because spoiler alert: little children are firecrackers, and I ain't no spring chicken. <laughs> and. Ollie really likes throwing football, so we've been throwing football lately, and throwing football turns into Nate being wide receiver like I used to be because the neighbor boy's got quite an arm on him, and I fucking, like, tore my calf muscle. Is that what the actual diagnosis was? I knew you, I knew you did something, too, but you never did, uh, I never did figure out what the, uh, or find out what the actual diagnosis was. Well, I'm on day five, and I can still barely walk, so... That's a good diagnosis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, it's 2019 out here. We ain't got health insurance. You know what's up. Uh, but uh, anyways, just having some time, man, has been nice. And just mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I have an hour here. Easy to put an hour down of wrestling or, right. or catch up on. I mean, we're going to get into it here in a minute. But watching older stuff that's not WWE Right. Uh, that's kind of me filling in a gap of time when I didn't watch wrestling hardly at all. And when I did, mm-hmm. it was really hyper-focused on WWE, and it was really short-sighted of me now that I'm older and know all these names and are like, oh, my God, those people had matches against each other there? Right. 
and really that's that's why I love I keep touting and championing that uh, independent wrestling.tv app is it gives you the opportunity to find shit you've never seen before and people you haven't seen before absolutely uh so with this I want to I want to hear this top 5 man okay 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 so let's just not waste any more time cuz we're getting on and it's getting late you guys have put up with us for Three hours now. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, say we're working on three um, now. I have a top five. You have a guy to watch. Start. I do. We'll start with my top five. I'll just move through it. Most of these matches we've talked about, the top, in, in the top three, two of the three we have not. So at number five, uh, again, it was more because I was impressed of these four uh, and their ability to put a cohesive match together and also make me a fan of almost every single person who was in that match, it was the Penelope Ford, Sakura, Sadie okay. Gibbs, Alley match from AEW Dark that we just watched tonight. I really, I, there was just some special quality about it that had me captivated. I think there's a moment where I'm pretty sure it was Alley did like a, some sort of bulldog into a fucking baseball slide outside the ring. That oh, was, yeah, it was a... Yeah, uh, he, she had, uh, I think it was Emmy Sakura outside, and uh, I want to say Penelope uh, kind of laid up against the ropes, came in with a, a, a like a sliding elbow to the one in the ropes, and then a, a baseball slide drop kick to uh, Sakura on the outside. And I was like, fuck, that's a cool thing I've not actually seen. So, okay, I'm in. Allie's, you know? Allie's a really good wrestler. She is definitely very good. Yeah, so that match, they all impressed me, uh, and it definitely deserved some spot, especially since the rest of this is all definitely mm-hmm. heavily male-dominated. I will also definitely. say there was another pretty decent ladies' match, an honorable mention if you were. I would probably call the uh, NWA power match we had this week with, uh, Al- what is it? Uh, uh, Ash- Marty Bell and uh, Ashley Vox. Ashley Vox, yeah, and Mari Bell, or I think is how you said it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good match, and, and it set up bigger stakes for the women's title over in NWA, and they even debuted a new wrestler, and that was cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how I felt about the weird drum beat thing, and was that what the crowd was hearing, or was that just added? I kind of, I kind of liked it. Yeah, um, for uh, Thunder Rosa. That was, uh, I kind of liked that it was echoing off of the promo that they'd done for her. The vignettes that had that drum beat behind it. So adding her in was kind of cool. I'm, I'm interested to see her. She's another one that I'd seen in Lucha Underground. She's from AAA, I believe, or CMLL. Um, and I'm interested to see what she does now because I don't remember. She didn't make much of an impression on me back then, but that was a couple of years ago. So I'm interested to see how far she's come. Hell yeah. All right. Number four. We've already talked about it, but I really enjoyed the six-man match that we had on Power mm-hmm. as well with uh, Aldis, Anderson, and Cabana versus Storm in the Wild Card. It's amazing what a little bit of stakes gives to a match, doesn't it? It really does. And, again, I'm going to sit here and just go, I'm looking at all the angles. Like, it actually kind of makes sense if they put Storm over here and they make him give up the title. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going, it also kind of makes sense if all this wins, though, and then they have, like, a whole different, you know, thing. So, again, I like, we I like that about uh, it. Cab- Awesome. I like that Cabana actually got the win. Yes. So he actually is the guy who's now going to challenge for the national championship, and he is the one that earned it. In the match. Mm-hmm. I like that, definitely. It wasn't Ken Anderson winning the match and then being like, hey, why don't I get a shot too? <laughs> right. 
fucking WWE ruining how I think wrestling is probably going to dictate itself and then these awesome companies <laughs> not following that protocol at all. Telling you, man, once you start watching stuff outside of WWE, it makes WWE even even harder to watch. I agree. And I think that the on, an honest wrestling fan owes it to themselves, I think, is the best way to say that, to try other kinds of wrestling. Couldn't put it any better myself. Yeah, all right. Number three. Here is our first match that didn't happen this week, and it didn't even happen in the past five years. This is a You've been teasing me with this flashback one. match. You've been teasing me with this one, so I want to hear this. It's a fatal four-way. Okay. Featuring three world champions and a very creative human person. The match okay. was Austin Aries, Brian Danielson, Jimmy Jacobs, and Tyler Black. And ah. it is amazing. It's a number one contenders match. For Nigel McGuinness's this, title in the ROH, that's the I, time frame. I do have to ask, just because it'll give me a, a good idea again on time frame. Is this when uh, Age of the Fall was still a thing? I don't know. I'm too rookie on this, so I'm just throwing my hands up. You that can't was, see me, but I'm not sure. Uh, Age of the Fall was a, a faction that was Tyler Black and Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, they had talked about how they were partners, so I think this is just okay, after. So, okay, gotcha. Uh, but it was a very, very brilliant match. It really, the one thing, not only are there so many amazing different spots, there's a lot of spots that you see these guys still use to this day and their mm -hmm. arsenal and how they've evolved it and, and and even some of the better fluidity when they were younger and doing some of these things. Brian Danielson with some Definitely. of those dragon kicks when he was the American Dragon and all that. Um, but one thing that really made me want to talk about this match more than anything is this match proved to me how fucked WWE is because at one point in time you had all four of these dudes working for you right and you couldn't have the foresight or the sense to put them in the same kind of match I mean granted Jimmy Jacobs wasn't the writing capacity he wasn't an right talent there's all that I mean that's a guaranteed obstacle sure drop him and just still make it a triple threat you still had Austin Aries you still had uh, now Seth Rollins not Tyler Black and obviously Daniel Bryan right not Brian Danielson but Austin Aries is the guy they just fucking fumbled so hard, man. Yeah, I, I, part of me, I don't know how I feel about Austin Aries anymore because I'm not even a fan he, the of talent, him, but I just think the talent, the talent's there. He's also had the reputation of being a complete shithead himself. So, well, and that's absolutely factual. Part of me wants to, and isn't quite sure that's fumbling on WWE's part or something he had done. Maybe a little bit of both. I do know his. Run was definitely hurt by injury midway through when uh, Nakamura caved his fucking face in. Yeah, uh, but it was just it was just a really nice like look back and it made me go, oh my god, there's so many ROH matches that I've never seen that I need oh god, to. that's you're talking about the high point of ROH as well. Even having the era of Nigel McGuinness as the champ, you have Danielson as the undisputed fucking king of independent wrestling. Um. Tyler Black was a hell of a wrestler. I have to ask, did uh, did uh, Black bust out his old finisher? Which was yeah, God's la uh, God's last gift. I'm not sure. So one thing I wish they would let him use in WWE because it's such a better finisher than what he has. I love the stomp, but God's last gift. God's last gift. I can't speak. God's last gift 
is a small package driver. You know what? I think he did use that, and I'm pretty sure he actually wins the match with it. It's a dope fucking finisher, but they never let them use that because it it's a, pretty much a sheer unprotected drop on the back of your head. Totally. So. Oh, you know what? No, you know what he used he he used the buckle bomb as his finisher. Okay. In this match, and but he did he does still win. And maybe he does small package him. Again, I've watched so uh, much small, fucking wrestling, and like I watched that match at like two in the morning last night. I was like, I want to watch some wrestling. You got to check out small. Uh, they'll, I'm sure you can find a clip of it on YouTube. Uh, God's last gift was his finisher in ROH for a long time, and really fucking cool move. I'm nice actually, I want to say, um, uh, oh, Cameron Grimes, uh, Trevor Lee actually used it for a while in the Impact. Actually, nice. Uh, we're so that was number three. We're at number two now. Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. We can talk about it as much more as you want because it's that Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, Jack mm-hmm. Evans match, man. What a great match. And there's there's a couple spots that we did not talk about earlier that I want to bring up right now. Right. I kind of went overboard gushing over Jack Evans. It's so okay. yeah. No, 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 no. You need to you need to gush about Jack Evans. He's quality. I really like him. I really, really do. So one spot involves Jack Evans. Actually, I think both spots involve Jack Evans, but the one was Darby had Jimmy Havoc in like the torture rack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jack Evans got on the top rope and did like the Finn Balor stomp onto him as Darby like Death Valley driver into his fucking face. Yep. Stomp into a burning hammer, yeah. It was awesome. I was like, holy shit. And then there was another moment and I can't remember every I can't remember exactly how it all I can't remember how it all played out because they had the two chairs that are in the corner on their side. Mm-hmm. Jimmy gets uh, oh, uh, yeah. power slammed onto him and he's uh, on his boss back. Boss man slammed onto it, yeah. And then didn't Jack do like a front flip onto 450. him? Basically, uh, yeah, he had the two chairs on their sides. Um, he does uh, basically a sidewalk slam and there's no giving those chairs Not whatsoever. at all. <laughs> And then uh, while Havoc's laying there, uh, Jump comes up and uh, Evans hits a 450 with very little space to actually clear it directly again onto Havoc on the chairs. Great spot. Brutal spot. And then, oh, my God, the Jimmy Havoc-Darby Allen moment on the second on the middle rope with that super Dude, that scared the shit out of me. That scared the hell out of me because I could see both of them going, oh, yeah, I'll take the suplex to the outside. Well, yeah, and then also, I don't know – how much your brain was thinking like old school wrestling when say middle ropes break. Right. And I'm just going, Oh God, if it breaks now, they're hurt. They're really (laughs) properly going to have a bad fucking time. You know, I love the finish. Great. You have uh, fucking havoc pile driving. You get a double under, you get a regular pile driver through a table, elevated table onto Evans. And, then fucking Allen comes out of nowhere with a coffin drop with a chair held against his back, just like a fucking madman. Part of the chair fucking shoots off. I don't know if you saw that. The yeah, like the little like the the foot pieces. The foot ca- come fucking flying off across the ring. I'm like, holy shit! Be careful, Aubrey. Hopefully you don't oh. die in there. And then uh, Darby rolls up Jack and gets the Uno Dos Trace, my friend. 
Right. And uh, Darby has a 3-2-1 and one singles record, or overall record, in AEW. I got to say, I, I love the pop he got when he came out. He's over. He's super Crowd over. fucking loves him, man. It's awesome. That's awesome to see a new star being made. He's genuinely over, and I love it. I want a Darby Allen shirt. I don't know if they have. I honestly, yet. I looked at a couple of. Them. I bought a couple shirts off of, uh, off of Pro Wrestling Tees last week, um, but uh, the Allen design didn't quite sell me just yet. But that's just me. It's early. He's still a young buck. He. They're still. Oh, he, dude, he's only twenty two. That's ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> he was born in ninety nine. No, ninety seven. Yeah. Sorry, I mathed that stupidly. Yeah. 97. That's even worse. That's the year Independence Day came out. What the fuck? I was going to say, feel old yet? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> me too, also as well. Number one match, though, bro. We're here. We made it. Pretty sure I know what your uh, what your call is, and if it is, I haven't seen it yet, and I hate that. Phoenix v. Kenny Omega at A for the title, the Mega Championship. It mm-hmm. is fucking brutal. There are so many, oh my god, he fucking genuinely just killed him spots. Like, you know, obviously you know how these both these guys work. No remorse. Oh, absolutely. And, and they're pedal to the metal, right? Absolutely. So, you know how Kenny does those, like, full Nelson snap suplexes? The snapdragon, yeah. The snapdragon, thank you. He hit, like, one of those, and I thought for sure he broke Phoenix's neck, dude. It was the most... Ugh gruesome looking of the bumps but that's not the worst thing that happens to phoenix in the match i'm not going to spoil too much uh but he took a v trigger probably about midway through and there was no cell it was straight to his fucking nose and shattered his oh, nose man i mean the fucking river of blood coming out of phoenix's face was oh. unbelievable and he finishes the fucking match like a pro it was i've seen I've seen Phoenix in some fucking death matches, so dude can fucking go with the best of them. Yeah, and I really appreciate Triple A using the six-sided ring. Mm-hmm. I know most wrestlers hate it because there's less give. That's look little it's, smart talk there for you. But uh, trip the, honestly, watching their matches, watching their shows, are they're not quite car crashes. But they're very close. Oh yeah, their booking is weird. Their characters are all over the place, and their their decision making—they're half great matches, half botchamania. Almost, there's no in between. I'm very little of it. Fifty percent botchamania episode title. (laughs) I love it. Ah, God, that's one show I've not watched as much in a while. I need to get back into. I love much of botchamania. Well, I tell you, I sent you. The Ray Phoenix. You Kenny sent me Omega the link to match. the match. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet, so it's on my on my to do list. I know, and I cannot wait to further dissect that match with you. By this, by the point we actually probably dissect it a little deeper, it'll be two or three weeks out. But that's okay. It's it's really yep. listen, wrestling fans, go on YouTube and search this match. It is so fucking incredible. This is Kenny Omega. Listen, I love Kenny, and I think, but I really think he has not turned the dial to 11 yet in AEW. No. This is very dialed back Kenny, and he's just biding his time until they put him in the world title picture for some reason. And that's... Uh, I think a lot of it... I think a lot of it's they don't want him to become the face of AEW just yet. 
I understand that. It's too obvious. Yeah, absolutely, because he's their boy. I mean, duh. Mm -hmm. But it's also obvious, and it's like, why aren't you... Why isn't there any urgency in any of his matches? There's no... Again, you watch that match, and it's a different level of Kenny Omega. It looks like Kenny in New Japan. It feels like Kenny in New Japan. And I want that Kenny it's also, uh, on AEW. There's also a little bit of saying that uh, all those matches in AEW, or all those matches in New Japan that he was so full tilt on, and this one, they were all for titles. True. He hasn't had a title match in AEW yet. Very So I true. think those are going to, when you see that best bout machine really coming out. All right. But. Well, man, that's my top five. I'm stoked for it. I'm glad for it. I'm excited. I'm glad there's a couple matches I can go back and look up myself now. Well, you told me you were like, I don't know if I have a top fiver this week. And I was like, well, I'm just, okay. I have, and I think at that point I only had two matches. <laughs> Well, to be fair, when you uh, when you said when I said that I didn't have a top five, that's prior to uh, prior to power and prior to dark coming out tonight. Absolutely. So same. literally, all I had seen is is Raw and SmackDown, and no, I'm not going to say I have. I'm not going to try to find a top five matches in there because I'd be hard pressed to find five matches that actually had a clean finish in them. Jesus, you're right. You're absolutely right, man. So, uh, so who should we watch for? Buckles? Who's the guy? Um, I actually I do have one guy today that uh, I've mentioned previously. In, uh, I think it was episode two I talked about it a little bit. Um, a guy that's been around for a long, very long time. And I don't mean that to say, is, oh, he's been wrestling for 15 years. or This dude's been wrestling about as long as I've been alive. Holy shit. Um, he is in his fifties now and he is, I, I think he may still be, no, he's not a title holder at ROH right now. He just recently lost, I think it was their, uh, one of their tag titles, PCO. He's, uh, with Villains Inc., right? Villain Inc., yeah. Villain Enterprises. Um, the full story behind him, he is, his full name is actually Pierre Carl Wiet, I believe. Uh, he was in WWE originally, uh, actually did Calgary Stampede. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, and got into WWE, uh, where he tag-teamed as the Quebecers with the former Mountie. Yes! And, you know, big, beefy dude in his early or mid-20s, early 30s at that point, and never really got a, I'm not going to say a really fair shake, had a couple decent matches, maybe a storyline or two, but never really amounted to a whole shitload this is back in the uh, the new era, so the uh, when you still have Keem the African Dream and fucking um, King Mabel running around, so not exactly the high point for WWE. Um, but he got into it. I believe he got into it with the Click. Uh, with had some issues with booking decisions, uh, being influenced by guys like Michaels and Nash and uh, and Triple H even. So kind of got out of it and went into WCW for a little while and did a did a short stint there, nothing really a note, and then just kind of fell off the map for a while. Like, he just disappeared. And about, I want to say two years ago, give or take, uh, just decided he was going to start doing indies again and wanted to start wrestling again and kind of gave himself a second lease on life. And the guy's almost, I think he's he's in his 50s now. I do believe. And he, uh, 
you'll have to kind of experience the guy to, to believe him. It's a wild thing. His matches are not great. He's not a work rate guy. Um, but what he is is committed to character, and that's why it's fun to watch. He's also kind of, in his own way, found the fountain of youth through this new character. Uh, what he did was his uh, his gimmick now is almost Frankenstein's monster. I kind of picked that. I kind of picked him this week, but the Halloween coming up on Thursday Hey-o. seemed like the perfect time to do PCO. Um, if you go on his Twitter and grab you some popcorn because his vignettes and his weekly shit he posts there are fucking great. They are done like half in black and white or half in like campy B movie style. He no longer is PCO Pierre Carl Wiet. He's PCO Perfect Creation One. Awesome. It is him and this dude named Destro, Dr. Destro, who is working on him like a machine. As in, like, uh, so the most recent video I saw was they were trying to, he was doing uh, these, like, crazy uh, rows, like, lifting uh, on a machine, and the machine got stuck. So what does Destro do? He sprays WD-40 on the weights. That's not enough. He sprays WD-40 into PCO's mouth and then climbs on the weights while PCO does these crazy-ass exercises. I've seen him, and he plays this this Frankenstein's monster character to to the hilt. Um, Especially considering, did you see his uh, the finish to the match he was in in Death Before Dishonor recently? Oh, yeah. Took a cattle prod uh, to the fucking throat, bro. Yep. That's where I talked about him in episode two. He's on my top five. Yep. Took a cattle prod to the throat and used that as a reason to, oh, shit, now he's going haywire and starts choke slamming quite crazy. That was awesome. Uh, that's the match where his wiring, quote-unquote wiring, went faulty, and he dove, did a suicide dive into nothing. <laughs> that's the other thing about that's the other thing about PCO is that when I say the guy's found his new lease on life and the reason that his matches are fun, not only does he play the gimmick to the hilt, he does these crazy ass spots. He reminds me of Darby Allen in a way. Just an old Where Darby Allen will do Darby whatever Allen. to his body. But Allen has the benefit of being twenty two and still having some give in his body. PCO is pushing fifty five, weighs like three twenty. And it's like doing swantons onto the apron and hitting nothing. Like hitting the apron and just bouncing off. Um, Brutal. I I watched a a clip. You can find it on YouTube if you look up. I think it was from this year's uh, the uh, G1 Supercard that they had in uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, He's in a match against uh, the Girl is a Destiny from New Japan. Tamatanga and Tangaloa. Hell yeah. They pick the dude up. They pick him up for a double powerbomb spot. Where they're both like each of them have a leg, they power bomb him from the ring to the floor. Holy shit! Flat back bump, like there's no table, there's nothing there to break his fall. He just bounces off the floor and then almost no sells it. Oh, the dude is nuts. Um, and actually, the the match that I that I he came to my attention on the one I would uh, suggest to go watch. Anything you watch of his is going to be entertaining, just because it's fun to watch him play the character. But the one that brought him to my notice was uh, Joey Janela Spring Break 2, PCO versus Walter. What? And Walter is going to be some guy I'm sure I will have as a guy to watch at some point. 
even though he's more of a known commodity now. The guy is unbelievable. Chris Jericho thinks Walter is the stupidest name in professional wrestling, just so you know. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I will also say that Walter is the one guy in wrestling that scares the absolute shit out of me. Word. Um, mostly because of his size. He's the same size as my father. And seeing the shit that he does and as violent as Walter does makes me think of my dad doing it. That is just terrifying to me. No, thank you. However, the uh, match with uh, PCO and Walter from Spring Break 2, go look it up because the one thing that Walter's known for, right, is his chops. He is known for his knife-edge chops that are just ridiculously loud and violent looking. He gets into a chop-off with PCO. Ooh. who wears, like, this vest to the ring. PCO pulls his vest, like, unzips his vest to expose his chest and says, bring it the fuck on. And just takes chop after chop after chop. You can visibly see, as the match progresses, his entire chest, PCO's chest, turns black and blue over the course of the match. Ooh. Just from the amount of chops that he takes. Jesus, Okay. Oh, and he keeps coming. I know what I'm doing when I get out of here. You've, I, I seriously, um, if you can find it on YouTube, find it on uh, Daily Motion, wherever you can. That is one of the. That was one of my favorite matches of. I think it was 2018, either 2018 or 2017. I think it was 2018. That was one of my matches of the year because it was unbelievable to see. Like PCO, if you get on, again, you get on his Twitter. His catchphrase is PCO is not human. Well, you know what. I believe you. Maybe you're right. <laughs> you are you are fucked up in the head or something, but good on you, man. Maybe he doesn't have He comes out with his like half shaved head. He walks around like Frankenstein. Fun as shit to watch. Go check out PCO. Hell yeah, I was gonna say maybe he's got uh no nerve endings in his body. He can't feel the pain. People were really I, born like that. I that uh, okay. So seeing Darby Allen doing the uh, the coffin drop to the apron from I think it was Fighter Fest, yeah, the match with Cody Rhodes. Crackle. Oh yeah, yeah, that nasty bump that he took. Oof. Again, imagine somebody in their mid fifties weighing three times as much as he does, doing a swanton to that same part of the apron. PCO Allen, huh? Uh, PCO Allen's a good one too. Yeah, really. Like I said, any match of PCOs that you watch. You're not going to be disappointed. Wait, because P- he is PCO fun to watch and Darby Allen had a match. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. I was saying it like PCO um, is Darby Allen's dad. Yeah. And you just said no. no the two they of them have had a match, match, and it is yeah. Shit. Um. Yeah, it, the guy just takes these ridiculous. You shouldn't do that. Bumps. Stop for anybody. Just his. stop. I, yes. Oh God. Stop. Yes. Please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Please stop. Okay, well, before but, we get out here, Buckles, first of all, I want to yep. say I'm stoked that you brought up PCO. I have been kind of watching him a little bit because he's a part of Ellen Enterprises. So as soon as you mentioned him, I was like, oh, yes, I do know who we're speaking about and can place him in all those things. But I have a question. We're going to go kind of a little bit backwards because – as sure. this is airing or debuting on Wednesday, tonight we have AEW Dynamite. This could be one of the most impactful episodes of Dynamite since its debut, considering we will be... I think I know what you're about to ask, and I'm excited to answer it. Yes, we will be crowning the first ever AEW Tag Team yep. Champions. So, who you got? Uh, 
Honestly, Lucha Brothers. We are split, folks. I'm taking SCU. I'm, I will say the my reasoning for saying Lucha Brothers is I, I am actually pulling myself a little bit out of the kayfabe and a little bit out of the storyline. I think there's a lot more to be done in that feud between SCU and Lucha Brothers with the Christopher Daniels injury. So I think you put the belt on Lucha Brothers and let SCU chase him for a little bit. Let that feud play out. I feel like we have a lot of heels people are chasing now, though. That's that that that's the. That's true. I mean, that's the only reason I'm like. I think right now that's what true. AEW needs is like a, an uplifting W. Like even Riho wasn't really the uplifting W. That was a good ass match, and it could have went I either way. Sh- I think a lot of people thought maybe Nyla Rose should have won. So. I think I think they'll still get SCU winning the title. I just don't think it'll be right away. Okay, I like that. Uh, I think I, you I, I think you get the comeuppance of Daniels getting his revenge on it on the Lucha Brothers, and that's what gets them the title. Oh my God! You know what they should totally never do. What What's what that? WWE is going to do at fucking Crown Jewel with that fucking tag team tournament? Dumb. I. I'm I'm blocking that show out of my mind. It do, it I really just happen. want nothing to do it with exist. it. Uh, anyway, honestly, that's uh, that'll be something for next week's show if we want to get into it. But real quick thing, I want to ask you regarding that Crown Jewel show or something related to it. Have you seen the the clips of Velasquez getting getting physical? No. Well, basically, like he got into it with Lesnar a couple times. He's gotten into it with uh, Shelton Benjamin. I think it was on SmackDown last week. I think I saw the Shelton Benjamin week. one, and it looked really bad. Yeah, like he. I honestly don't know who throws a worse work punch if it's Fury or if it's Velasquez. Neither of them can throw a work punch to save their lives. Ugh. There's a actually a, that pull apart brawl with Fury a couple days ago, or I guess a couple weeks ago, where he is just you know supposedly knocking out security guards and other wrestlers left and right. If you slow the footage down, he misses every one of them by a solid six inches. Like he, it's it's Shane McMahon punch worthy. Not gonna lie, you got to kind of give it props to Tyson Fury, because if he didn't and actually connected, he would kill them. Oh no, <laughs> I understand why it's hard for them to, to work punches. I get that entirely. Actually, Shayna Baszler is the only one I thought uh, that I thought had gotten it right away. Yeah, but slowing fury down and looking at that it looked really bad and the same with velasquez well luckily we won't and ever I, see tyson fury ugh. in a ring after this next week which i'm not gonna you say watch that it, but, but he uh, you say that but he's willing to do more than one date so i wouldn't be surprised they run this back at wrestlemania if it's if it's successful uh, boycott crown jewel yeah anyways Yep. All right, folks, before we get out of here, I'm going to tell you where you can check us out. You can check out Journey into Wrestling every other Wednesday right here on the Journey into Comics Network. Get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, it's fucking Apple Music, dude. Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Also, go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a buck, and uh, you'll be in luck. Anyways, folks, I'd say, I think check, that, I'd say to check out the Facebook page as well. Oh, yeah, check out our Facebook page because I tell you what, man, Buckles has been going ham, posting stuff about wrestling, posting a bunch of cool content. You need to check Come out. Come have discussions with me. It will be fun. What was that? 
So come have discussions with me. Comment back. It will be fun. Yes, it will be absolutely fun. And, uh, you know, folks, listen, Journey into Wrestling's Facebook presence hasn't been the best in the past couple years, but it's getting better, and it's going to be a blast, folks. Buckles, you got anything before we get out of here? I think that's got to be it for me. Well, let's hit them with a buckle bomb, my friend. See what I did there? Oh. It's been season <laughs> four, episode three of Journey into Wrestling. I have been Nate. Ben Buckles over here. And whoop, whoop, this goes out to all the juggalos and juggalettes. Oh, Don't try oh. this at home, and I hope you like it. <laughs> oh, boy. Fuck this <laughs> shit. Ah!